Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Character and Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. Welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. It's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Cardinals played this morning at 1130. They played last night on a brilliant performance by Adam Wainwright. And we start the morning by pointing out that tomorrow Michelle Smallman is not going to be here. So <laughs> uh, happy birthday, early happy birthday for Michelle Smallman. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. And thank you to Emily for starting the morning off right. I have a cupcake here. Emily brought in a gooey butter cake, which is great, but also dangerous because I could eat that whole tray <laughs> within a day. And I got a great Cardinals wreath. Not to mention, Adam Wainwright must have known it was my birthday and gave me one heck of a gift. A complete game shutout on 88 pitches for old Uncle Charlie. He allowed only two hits. He didn't walk anybody. Struck out seven. Hard to imagine that somebody could be much better than Adam Wainwright was in this era. It's And Clayton Kershaw's no-hitter was spectacular a few years ago. He had a dozen strikeouts and one of the best game scores in history. But... In this day and age of offense and the strikeout being what it is and the home run being what it is and people wanting to get walks, to throw 88 pitches and not walk anybody against a major league team, okay, it was against the Pirates, but still is incredible. And to add to that, Adam helped out offensively with a couple of hits. That's right. He... (laughs) I almost have run out of things to say about Adam Wainwright because every time he gets the ball, I am just astounded by what he's able to do. This guy turns 40 in, I think, 18 days. At the end of the month, he's going to turn 40, and he's pitching like he's 25. And not only that, he talks about how important it is to work on every aspect of his craft whenever we talk to him weekly. And this week, we happen to talk to him about offense and how much pride he takes when he steps into the box. And then he comes out last night. Not only does he get a complete game shot, out on 88 pitches. He's got two hits. He's helping the Cardinals win in every facet of the game. And I, I, because he's going to turn 40, I always ask myself, how real is this? But I watch a performance like last night, and that's built upon his previous performances and all the seven-inning outings this year. And I got to tell you, Michelle, I would be excited if he were part of the Cardinal rotation, even a part of the front of the Cardinal rotation, in 2022. I'll take it a step further. I'm going to be really upset if he's not. At this point, he's been your ace for two seasons. We know Jack Flaherty is a stud, and obviously he was injured, so there's nothing that he can do about that. But that doesn't change the fact that whenever he's called upon for the past two seasons, Adam Wainwright has been there for the Cardinals. He leads this team in so many different ways, but most importantly, whenever they need him to go out and get a win, no no matter how far the team has sunk, whether it's a Emotionally, or they're in a row as far as their play is concerned. Adam Wainwright is there to dig them out of it. So we want to hear from you. Mike drops with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature with the 101 ESPN app. Do you think the Cardinals have to have Adam Wainwright in 2022? Are you excited about having a 40-year-old in your rotation? Or are you saying, you know what? He's 40 years old. We got to move on from a 40-year-old. Hey, it's legitimate because there, there hasn't been 
uh, uh, there haven't been many teams that have pitched played in the World Series with 40-year-olds at the front of their rotation. But you know what, Randy? We spoke to Adam Wainwright yesterday for mm-hmm. Wednesdays with Wayno, and he had a quote. Every week we, t- we do these little audiograms. Emily mm-hmm. will select a, a tidbit from the interview, and she'll post it online, br- a breakout, as we call it, for social media. And here was the quote from Adam Wainwright yesterday. That was part of the breakout video. It just takes a little bit of belief, even when it doesn't make sense to make great, thing- great things happen. And it doesn't make sense that Adam nope. Wainwright should be doing this as he is rounding the bend towards his 40th birthday. But you know what? I believe in him. He's made me a believer, and I believe that he can do it again next season. I'll tell you that. Your mic drops and your texts are welcome throughout the course of the show. Last night, the Cardinals get a run in the fourth inning, and then they scored three in the sixth, capped by, guess who? Up the middle, base hit. The throw to the plate, DeYoung is safe at the plate. Adam Wainwright is second hit tonight. This one brings in DeYoung, and it's 4 nothing Cardinals. In his career at PNC Ballpark, Michelle, Adam Wainwright is hitting 372, <laughs> 372 with an 856 OPS. You, that, what do you do other than laugh? That's ridiculous. Adam Wainwright. Uh, I mean, as much as I have been on the record saying that I am good with pitchers hitting, that I am a fan of the DH, Adam Wainwright does change my mind with that one. If, can he just be the outlier? Can he just hit for the Cardinals, especially in Pittsburgh, yeah. if the DH even comes to the National League? Because, wow, is he fun to watch. And last night on the mound, Wainwright got three spectacular catches from Harrison Bader. This is one of them. The 1-0 pitch lined into center. Bader down! then he made two more catches in the ninth and that set us up for the end of Wainwright's spectacular outing. Ground ball off the glove of Wayno. The pick by Goldie. He does it. 88 pitches. He is 18 days away from his 40th birthday and tonight he gets his 27th complete game. His 11th Complete game shutout. Only two hits allowed. Adam Wainwright, 4 nothing the final, and he was absolutely magnificent. You can only face 27 hitters in a game. He faced 28. Nine innings, two runs, uh, two hits, no runs, no walks, seven strikeouts, and as Dan mentioned on the call on Valley Sports Midwest, 88 pitches, 58 of those four strikes. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I'm sure Adam Wainwright after the game had a big old thank you to Harrison Bader, as, yeah. we, as we heard. He's like evil Knievel out there just diving around, sacrificing his body. But he ha- he makes the play most of the time. And boy, does it look fun watching it. But Adam Wainwright, an amazing performance. And it's, it's to the point where he's must-watch TV. I can't wait for him to pitch every week because you know that he's going to give you something entertaining to watch. And last night was no exception. What was the key to last night's performance? You know, the best fastball command I've had of the season today, no doubt. Getting, getting a little sink on the ball, a little late run. And, and uh, you know, most people are going to be sitting slow on me. So um, sometimes you can sneak up on the little tricky heater that I throw sometimes. So, um, you know, just fortunate. We had great defense behind me. We got some timely hits and, I got a couple of hits finally. It was a fun game. And when you know you have good stuff early, it makes a difference. How did he feel in the early going? I knew I had great command, but honestly, I got overheated in the second inning. 
and uh, the second, third, and fourth, I was, I was just trying to survive the inning. It was there was no air out there before that storm kind of rolled in. There was no air. It was really, really hot and sticky and stuffy, and uh, I was having a hard time breathing out there, honestly. But um, you know, the training staff Adam Olson did a great job of cooling me down, getting the the towel, the the cold towels on me to kind of drop my my core temperature, and we got back on track. But I knew I had good command. Uh, certainly, I, I knew I had a decent. I didn't throw many cutters. I knew I had a decent breaking ball, good enough, and and uh, my changeup was pretty bad today. But I threw a couple of good ones. Uh, it was, uh, but I mean, really, fastball command was the key today. So you're telling me that Adam Wainwright was overheated for a portion of that performance. (laughs) That makes it even more impressive. But I'll tell you, sometimes in life when the circumstances around you aren't great, you just want to power through. Like one time I ran a half marathon in the rain and my music cut out. And so I had to run 11 miles in the pouring cold rain with no music. I had my best time ever. So maybe Adam Wainwright was so overheated and he was so over it that he just wanted to cruise through the game. So the Cardinals now still seven, uh, 11 games out in the division. In the wild card race, the Padres are four behind the Dodgers. Then the Reds are four behind the Padres. Braves and Phillies are both six back. The Mets are seven back. And the Cardinals are seven and a half back in the wild card race. But, Michelle, the Cardinals trail the Braves, as we mentioned, by a game and a half. At the end of this month, the Cardinals will play the Reds on the 30th and 31st of August. Then in September, they'll play the Reds again. Then they're at Milwaukee. Then they come home and they take on the Dodgers for four. Dodgers in the wild card race. Then they play the Reds three more times at home. Mets are in the wild card race. The Mets are uh, going to host the Cardinals on September 13th, 14th, and 15th. Mets in the wild card race. Then the Cardinals are going to host San Diego in the wild card race. Then the Cardinals go to Milwaukee for four. Then four at Chicago. And then they wrap up with three against Milwaukee here, which could, you know, I, I really don't think the Cardinals are going to be in the hunt. But if they really had a chance, they would have to beat up uh, Milwaukee, and I don't think they have that chance. But the Cardinals certainly can have an effect on the wild card race because each team in the wild card race, Dodgers, Padres, Reds, and I guess not the Mets, or not the Reds or uh, not the Braves or Phillies, but the Mets. So of the teams in the race, the Cardinals will face five of the six in the last month of the season. You know what this is, the Adam Wainwright effect. He goes out, does what he does last night, and we're, we're all of a sudden crunching the numbers again to see mm-hmm. how, how the Cardinals can make some noise yeah. down the stretch. Where yesterday, we basically threw our hands up, even though they were coming off a win, and said, eh, not really much we're going to expect this season. But Adam Wainwright goes out there, he defies all the odds, doing what he's doing at his age, and we come in the next morning rejuvenated, thinking that, that maybe there's a chance for this team. If he could pitch every day. Things would be great. It would be great, but Jack Flaherty's coming back, Randy. So is Miles Michaelis. But the problem that the Cardinals have as they run out of games is, for example, the Reds and Braves are playing. So doesn't matter who wins. Somebody's going to pick up ground, and somebody's going to lose ground when they play. When the Dodgers and Padres play each other. When the Reds play against uh, the Mets, the Phillies and the Mets. That that, Ameri- that National League East can really cause havoc in the wild card race because down the stretch in September, the Braves, Phillies, and Mets are going to be playing each other. So somebody in the wild card race is going to win that's ahead of the Cardinals every single day. Don't like those numbers. No. And the Cardinals, hey, they killed themselves in June. We, that's what will haunt the 2000, a lot of things will haunt the 2021 Cardinals. But in terms of just if you're going to pick a section of games, it's going to be that section against Pittsburgh, Detroit, 
Kansas City where they didn't win the first time. Where the offense was just non-existent. Abysmal. So we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. We want to hear from you. What's your excitement level about Adam Wainwright? Or do you think he's got to be back next year? Mike drops on the 101 ESPN app. And, of course, you can always send us a text at the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. As a matter of fact, you can use that next because we've got Sick of It with Carriker and Smallman and Emily on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Time for sick of it, or as Michelle says it, sick of it. One or the other. Emphasis on this. Yeah. Sick of it. Michelle, you know how uh, folks used to be sick of the Cardinals being in the playoffs every year? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Corbin Burns, 10 consecutive strikeouts last night. That's a major league record. Ties a major league record. Aaron Nola had done it earlier this year. Brewers, good starting pitching. I'm sick of it. Yeah, that's a really good one. I'm sick of it, too. <laughs> I don't need to see them be so good. Because with their offense this season, you thought maybe the starting pitching yeah. will tail off and they'll come back down to earth a little bit, giving our Redbirds a chance. Not so much. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> not so much. That's a really good one. Yeah, they've been amazing this They're year. Fantastic. Well, speaking of that. You know what I'm sick of? The fact that the Cardinals aren't in the playoff hunt. The fact that this isn't a foregone conclusion that the Cardinals are going to be playing in the playoffs. Because Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina, but specifically this season, Adam Wainwright deserves more than this. Mm -hmm. Adam Wainwright deserves to be pitching on the postseason stage with what he's been doing this year. He deserves to have Ken Rosenthal or Buster Olney, whoever it is, doing some sort of a feature telling the entire country how amazing he is. He is at what will be at that time his age of 40 years old because he turns 40 in, I believe, 18 days. And if he was in the postseason, he would be 40 at that time. But Adam Wainwright deserves a better send-off than this. If this is the last season, he deserves a better send-off. But hopefully he's back next year, and they better get him to the playoffs. I'm telling you. I won't stand for it if they don't. (laughs) What are you going to do? I will make some noise. I will be very upset. Okay, I want to hear this. Don't you think Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina deserve their final season to end in the postseason? Whether it's an early exit or not, they deserve to be playing in the fall. Right, definitely. All right, Emily, what text do you have for us at 65780? From the 636, I'm sick of Wayno giving us false hope. This offense still isn't good enough. But don't you like hope as a sports fan? That's what we buy. That's why we buy a ticket. Why watch the games if you imagine being a Pittsburgh Pirates fan? Would you really want to tune in every day? Would you want to revolve your day around watching that team? I'd rather have false hope than no hope, I guess. Because you start the season in Pittsburgh and you've got no hope. Listen, we used to be St. Louis Rams fans. We know what it's like to suck. Good point. We know what it's think about the the false hope that we would try to conjure up because the team was so bad. Think about that. We did a lot, of, like, a lot of that. Yeah, Marty Gilliard can be the guy. <laughs> maybe that guy can be a, a great target for Sam Bradford. I mean, having false hope is is better than nothing. Marty Gilliard reference. I'm very proud of you. Well, I'm trying to show you how far we had to dig yeah. <laughs> to try to make it something happen from the hope standpoint. <laughs> From the 314, I'm sick of all the questions about if Adam Wainwright should return to the Cardinals next season. He's one of the best pitchers on our team and to ever play in a Cardinal uniform. If he's willing to come back, bring him. He is the best pitcher on the team. <laughs> yeah, he is. And he's the most reliable. If you go into next season, 
we love Jack Flaherty's stuff. We lo- love what he did at the end of 2019. But Jack Flaherty still has yet to pitch a full season in the majors. Wow. Right? He, he didn't start the season. I guess he did, did kind of start the season in 2019. But it, uh, let's see. Has he thrown 30 starts? I'm not sure. So I, I just, I, I wouldn't count on him after the last two years. I, I can't count on Jack Flaherty to be spectacular or what we think he is. He did make 33 starts in 2019. So we'll, we'll give him that. And he was fantastic in the second half of that year. Um, unbelievable. Yeah. But who after 2020 and 2021, who's more reliable, Adam Wainwright or Jack Flaherty? Adam Wainwright. Yeah. No question. From the 217, sick of it. Law school exams in the summer. I'm in the middle of them now. Ooh, Ooh. yeah. Those are hard. And those are, uh, talk about high pressure. I've never felt real pressure in my life. Ever? Uh, no. Unlike law school exams, and like uh, taking the bar exam or law school itself. I could not have, I, I would not have made it out of one year of law school. Randy, I went to Illinois thinking I wanted to be pre-med. My mm-hmm. very first class was a chemistry class, and I walked out of there being like, I got to transfer. I can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> law school, med school, people that really dedicate themselves to a career that's going to uh, require a lot of education and a lot of pressurized education. Yeah. No way. Not See? for me. And and that's the key. Those people are so dedicated. And Joan, Joan is an attorney and told me about how competitive, openly competitive people are about school. And I wouldn't be able to handle that. I could not be competitive in an educational environment because pff, White Castle exists. Sometimes you just got to go to White Castle while there's a class going on. And I, you can't do that in law school because you'll fall behind. But you could do that after class. Get your Crave case. That's, that's not the way I roll. <laughs> you could bring it to class. Yeah. A little pre-class snack. There was a White Castle like right down the highway. Actually, it was right down 94. Still there nice. from Lindenwood. I missed a few classes. Going to White Castle. Yeah. <laughs> I just had a craving. I'll tell you, though, watching you go through the stuff with this Rams lawsuit, you would have been an excellent lawyer. You are very good well, at debating, and the, you, you get your facts lined up, and you craft a very good and convincing argument. I, you were a great student, but did you ever say to yourself, why am I doing this? How is this going to benefit me in the future? I did that with every single class. Like, we've talked about algebra. Were we, were we talking about that with Wayno? Well, yeah, how, yeah, how he was doing yeah. math with his daughters. Yeah. It, it, that was never going to benefit me. Algebra, and I did that. So I would go to law school, and you'd have to take some stuff that you had no interest in. Mm-hmm. And you still had to do well at it. I couldn't have done well at it because I would be asking myself rationally, how's this going to benefit me? <laughs> I only did that one time at Illinois when you're a journalism major, you have to take six, they give you six or six, excuse me, seven different buckets basically. And you have to take two classes out of six of the seven. Mm-hmm. And it was, it came down to either econ or philosophy. And I knew I wasn't going the numbers route. So I took philosophy. Oh my! And let me tell you, I walked out of philosophy class being like, do I need this? Like shout out Plato, but I don't if this is something that's really going to benefit me yeah. in my career. I'm, I'm with you. It's, uh, <laughs> and I, I think I may have gotten a D in a philosophy class one time. <laughs> uh, Socrates, Plato, yeah. Like, shout out to those guys. But they- talk right. Come on. Plato, yeah. Socrates. Talk, talk right and write right, okay? I mean, thank you for the deep thinking, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's been all these years and I've still never used trigonometry. So there, there you go. go. I'm like, good one. Trig, who yeah. needs it? From the 309... Love Wayno, love Yachty, love the show, sick of the offense. 
hey, the offense now seven games in a row with four or more runs. And the Cardinals, I believe, uh, I'll double check this. I think they're 42 and 14 when they score four or more runs. All right. Also, if you're sick of the offense, you're sick of Adam Wainwright because he's been providing offense for you. (laughs) He's an offensive stalwart for us. From the 618, sick of today not being Friday. Amen. It is Friday for Michelle, That's though. right. Tomorrow I'm yeah, off. what was that? Well, I just always feel that way on Thursdays because you wake up and you have a little pep in your step on Thursdays because you know the end of the week is near. But then once you're done with your work day, you're like, oh, man, can't really go to happy hour the way I want to because I do have to work tomorrow. You know, it's like, talk about false hope. Thursday is false hope. Oh, yeah. It, it really is. <laughs> From the 314, sick of it. This weather. Give me fall and hockey now, please. It was kind of warm yesterday. We're Leo babies, so we love yeah. to bask in the heat. Um, but listen, 314, you're, you're, you're going to get what you want with fall weather. But know that just like most seasons in St. Louis, you're going to get maybe a two to three week stretch of beautiful weather, and then it's going to be freezing. Yeah, then winter's stupid. And winter's stupid. So be careful what you ask for, because at least with the hot heat of summer, you know, fall's right around the corner. With fall, it was It was 84 degrees at like 1030 last night in Cottleville, so. This morning when we're done with our show, it is, according to my phone, supposed to be 86, and then at noon, 91, but no chance of rain, and then 95 at 3 p.m., so good golfing weather. Nice. From the 314, I'm sick of no Danny Mac on Thursday. I know. Come on, Cardinals. What are you doing with this schedule? Come on, Dan, right? Dan could be with us till 10 and then go do a game for at 1130. But I'm sure he has pregame prep. He has to get to the, the broadcast We provide space. prep. Do we not? Do you not get enough prep for a baseball game in the three hours between 7 to 10 on Carriker and Smallman? You know, you're going to know everything you need to know about the Cardinals and Pirates today. Dan, all he needs to do is write down a lineup. He, he's done it for 50 years. That's he knows right. what he's doing. 50, huh? Something like that. Okay, maybe Is Danny not. even 50 years old? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. Feels, I'm sure, at times like it's been 50 years for him, though. So he has been calling Cardinals games when he was just a twinkle in his parents' eyes. That's exactly right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From the 636, sick of it. Working out in the heat for the fourth day in a row. Bring me fall now, please. People hey. are upset about the heat. And, uh, hey, if you're going to be working outside, hydrate, drink a lot of water. Make sure that you're high. And I know that you work outside, so you do. But if you're going to be outside, drink a lot of water. That's right. Maybe some work in some Gatorade, get those yeah. electrolytes in there. One thing you want to do if you're playing golf on a day like this is drink a bottle of water per hole. You always say that, and yeah. it always makes me think that you're going to be going to the bathroom every other hole. You're going to sweat it out. But you're also going to have to go to the bathroom every other hole. Not really. It feels like it would really elongate the game. You're going to be hopping in the cart or trying to find the bathroom. It's it's much better to not wake up, be woken up in the middle of the night with a huge cramp. cramp. Yeah. Charlie horse. Yeah, those are not great. No. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. Thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Oh, by the way, just did the math during that segment. The Cardinals (laughs) did. We're we're terrible. See, I can do math quickly. I'm so impressed. So the Cardinals during June, we, we talk about the disastrous June. They were 10 and 17. If the Cardinals had gone 14 and 13 and been over 500 that month, they would still only be tied with Cincinnati. The Cardinals would be 61 and 52. The Reds, 61 and 54. So the Cardinals would have a two-game lead on the loss side, but they would still be seven games behind Milwaukee, even if they had gone 
over 500 in June. Wow. And the Cardinals are over 500 in the other months, by the way. A little FYI for you. 14 and 12 in April, 16 and 12 in May, then 10 and 17 in June, 12 and 11 in July, and 5 and 4 so far in August. So now you know via radio. June gloom indeed. Sure was. Next up. We want your mic drops with the 101 ESPN mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app and your texts. How excited are you about Adam Wainwright perhaps being a Cardinal and maybe having the swan song in 2022? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Kids, we don't ask you for much. We try to bring you as much enjoyment in your mornings as possible. Have a favor today, though. <laughs> Michelle Swalman's Instagram address, your handle, as it were, handle. is at M Smallman, S-M-A-L-L-M-O-N. That's right. On the Insta. Michelle wants to get to 10,000 followers. Right now, she has 9,701. We need Michelle to get to 10,000 followers by the end of our show. We need to, Michelle to get to... 10,000 followers. And oh, by the way, if you want to follow me, you can at, am I Randy Carricker? RJ Carricker. On the, on the Insta. I think you can follow me too. Carriker. Now, you don't have to follow both of us. You don't have to follow me. No, you uh, should though. Randy had some great content coming out of Canton. No, it was fun. You, you don't have to. But we want to get Michelle to 10,000 Instagram followers by the end of the show. So if you could do us that favor, that honor, we would greatly appreciate it. And oh, by the way, Michelle's birthday <laughs> is tomorrow. So that could be your birthday present to Michelle, that you're honoring her and providing her a gift of followership. Follow, fo- followership? Followership. Okay. Let's roll with it. I like it. Yeah. Followership. And the reason we want you to follow us and why 10,000 is so important is because it gives us the ability to add a link to our stories, which means we can provide you with our podcast every day after the show. And you can only do that if you get to 10,000 followers, which is highly annoying. Thanks, Instagram. You've, you got us on the mm-hmm. hook here. But we talk about wanting to share the podcast link every day. So get us to 10,000 so we can provide that to you. And we do appreciate the 25 that have followed you in the last minute or so. Whoa, 25. Thank you. So we do appreciate that. Adam Wainwright has watched Tom Brady, who says he wants to play until he's 45 years old. And last week, Waino and uh, we were talking about Tom Brady on our Wednesdays with Waino segment. And I asked him if he had been inspired at all by Tom Brady's proficiency at an advanced athletic age. Sure he is. I I talked to his trainer, Alex Guerrero. Uh, three or four years ago now when I was when I was injured and knew I needed to you know make a life change talked to his trainer for two hours one day and just talked about all the things that he does and the things he had to change and cut out of his diet and things he had to cut out of his his lifting program and all that kind of stuff and you know I, I wouldn't have made that call if he wasn't an inspiration to me I wouldn't have called his guy in particular if uh, if I didn't think that there was some patterns there that that absolutely makes sense for, for older athletes continuing to be successful at their, in their game, in their craft. So, Michelle, that's one reason why I would be totally on board with Adam Wainwright coming back, because he's doing the same things that Tom Brady <laughs> is doing to play so well at the age he is. He's, he just turned 44. So, first of all, whatever Alex Guerrero is selling, I'm buying Mm-hmm. I am buying it. Tom Brady performing at a high level at his age. Adam Wainwright. We know Phil Mickelson is doing a lot of the same things. I don't know if it's directly from Alex Guerrero. but Gronk. Gronk. They're, they're all going down a similar path. 
and whatever he is preaching is correct because it is working. He has found the fountain of youth in so many ways. So I don't know if he has some sort of a program for regular people, but I would be happy to do whatever Alex Guerrero says because these guys are being preserved in an unbelievable way. But I think Adam Wayne might really hit on something. It's that three or four years ago he made that call. And for three or four years he has been adjusting the way that he eats and the way that he stretches and he's been removing things from his lifting program and focusing on different things. I remember earlier in the season, he talked about pliability and about stretching and different things that he's incorporated into his routine. And he's been taking care of himself, which allows himself to be able to do this at this point. And so that's why it gives me the belief that he can do it again next year, despite turning 40 in, I think, 18 days. So we want your mic drops, and uh, many of you have texted in. Let's hear some of those, Michelle. From the 618, not only does Adam Wainwright need to come back next season, I'm wondering when it's okay to start legitimately asking the question, does Adam Wainwright deserve to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame, not just the Cardinals Hall of Fame? I think because of that, first of all, he spent several seasons injured. I just don't think his overall numbers, which will get him into the Cardinals Hall of Fame without any trouble at all, I don't think Adam's overall numbers are going to be considered by the Baseball Writers Association of America. He's got 178 wins right now. He's got a career 3.37 ERA. And I know wins aren't something that the baseball writers really look at right now, but His overall number is 3.37 earned run average. Uh, The strikeout numbers aren't extraordinary. He's shy of 2,000 career strikeouts. He's had a really, really good career. Hasn't won a Cy Young. I mean, he's look at that. He's playing in an era with multiple Cy Young Award winners like Verlander and Kershaw. He's never been the, well, I guess in 2009 he was the best guy. But he, he didn't win the Cy Young Award. And... He's playing in an era with such dominant, clear Hall of Famers that I think it probably hurts him. But I think he does have a case worthy of discussion, no? Yeah, I, absolutely. He's he's a guy that uh, if baseball writers take a close look, they'll say, okay, yeah, he's he's worth looking at. He's different than a lot of guys. He's had a magnificent career. I just don't think that they will put him in the Baseball Hall of Fame. From the 636, I think as long as Uncle Charlie wants to pitch, you absolutely should make a spot for him on the team. Well, that's the biggest if, is how long is he going going to want to pitch? He doesn't want anything to do with a work stoppage next year. So baseball, if you want to keep Adam Wainwright around, don't have a work stoppage. His oldest daughter is starting high school next mm-hmm. year, and he talks a lot about how much he wants to spend time with his family and Now, down the stretch, four more years before she's off to college. So does he want to spend another summer away from her? And the the stretch run, perhaps her graduating from high school, does he want to spend that time away from her? There are a lot of factors that go into this beyond just his pitching career. But he is such a great competitor. And I know the fire burns deep. And I can't imagine if the Cardinals want him back and he comes off a season where he's pitching like this. I, we know how devoted Adam Wainwright is to his family. But if he thinks that he could get one more year where he could be going out there and being the competitor that he is, I, it would be hard for me to believe that he would turn that down. And we get a chance to hear him and the the thrill in his voice when he talks about competing and how how much he enjoys the one-on-one with a hitter. He loves that as much as anything outside of his family. 
not only does he compete one-on-one with the hitter, he competes with himself. Yeah, he does. He, there's a game within the game that he's he's participating in every time. All right, Randy, from the 618 Cubs fan here, you got to have him in the rotation. Even if he doesn't lead the rotation in ERA or wins, he reminds me of an old Greg Maddox. He'll always keep you in the game, and the wisdom, how to pitch and compete, that he can impart on the younger players is invaluable. And it's going to be young, and it's going to be – unreliable next year. You're going to have Flaherty. You're going to have Michaelis. Can't rely on him. Going to have Hudson coming back from Tommy John. Can't really rely on him. Reyes, Hicks, maybe Oviedo, maybe KK. I kind of doubt it now. But he's the most reliable guy you have the potential to have on a staff next year for the Cardinals. Hey, let's get a mic drop in here from John on 101 ESPN. As a young man, I watched Bob Gibson in 1975, throw up his hands and say, I'm finished, after his Pete LeCock moment. I always feared that Adam Wainwright was headed towards the same ending. But now, I believe that he will not only pitch in 2022 and with a better offense, win 18 or 19 games and contend for the Cy Young, as he leads the Cardinals back to the playoffs. He will also pitch in 2023 as he pushes his win total above 200 and his case for being in baseball's Hall of Fame up the list. John, that's a great call. I love that. I will respectfully disagree with you about Bob Gibson throwing up his arms because Bob Gibson told me one time with an angry look in his eyes and a trace of bitterness in his voice. Red put me in the bullpen and I was the best starter in that rotation. Now he was 39 years old and he did go three and 10 with a 5.04 earned run average. But Bob Gibson, and we could hear and believe this from Adam Wainwright too, was not pitching well at the age of 39 and was furious when Red Chaindienst took him out of the starting rotation in 1975. And that's when he decided to retire when they decided to not show faith in him. And kudos to Red for making that decision because I would be too afraid to. I would have too, yeah. (laughs) If an angry Bob Gibson is on the other side of that convo, I'm not having it. (laughs) I'll tell you that. We're going to have many more of your mic drops and of your texts coming up during the course of this show here on 101 ESPN. You need to follow Michelle Smallman, and thank you for that segment. Now Michelle is up to 9,821 followers. So closing in 100 and... uh, 69 away, 179 away, 179 away. So go to your Instagram page, follow Michelle at M Smallman and do us that favor. Coming up, your text 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. Take it or leave it. Coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Kierker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Michelle, Jimmy Johnson, former coach of your Miami Dolphins, was on the Dan Levitard show. And he said, quote, to those two guys, it would have taken my entire draft board, but I could have made a trade in 1998 to move up to get Peyton Manning. 
He said, in fact, I talked to Peyton and Archie about it this weekend at the Hall of Fame weekend. When asked to elaborate, he declined. He said, that's all the details I can give you. I probably gave you too much already. Take it or leave it. If Jimmy Johnson would have traded for Peyton Manning, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady would have never been a thing. I'll take that. Me too. That just really hurt my heart to hear. He would have never, he wouldn't have retired. Oh. Now, it would have retired Marino early, which would have hurt your heart also. Yeah, actually, now that we're talking through this, I don't know how I would have felt about that. Yeah. Pushing Dan the man out the door. Yeah, but think of the, think of the 15 or 20 years that the Dolphins would have been dominant with Jimmy Johnson at the helm. Wow. Yeah, Manning and Jimmy would have been Brady Belichick. Yeah, they would have. Think about how great. Peyton Manning would have looked in that uniform, too. Yeah, right. And Strapping here's dimes. one thing. Yeah, if Jimmy is still in Miami, is that job, I, I'm sure that Belichick still takes it, but is, is it as attractive for Belichick to take the Patriots job if you have to go through Jimmy Johnson and Peyton Manning? Um. I would say yes, because it's still one of 32 jobs mm-hmm. that you can get as a head coach in the NFL, and especially because he got such support from Robert Kraft, and he knew that he was going to be able to run the program the way he wanted, but it certainly would have been harder for him to win. Yeah, definitely. So that's a great story. That would have been really interesting. Wow. There's there's got to be a show or something out there called What If, where you go through the, yeah. the big decisions and sports things that we don't even know about, because... What if that would have happened where there's got to be some sort of numbers that you can crunch that could give you some sort of a, a, a general guess of what the Dolphins would have yep. been had Peyton Manning been there? Well, what if Peyton Manning is there? Jimmy Johnson has him. They never hire Saban. So he stays at LSU and LSU becomes what Alabama has become. Oh, see, the ripple effects of this are deep. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, what if? But yeah, then what are you going to do with Dan Marino? Yeah, one year early. Because he was just coming off the Achilles injury anyway, I think. So he might have been okay with it. And I think even he at that point in his career would have been like, it's Peyton Manning. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, I yeah. kind of understand. Pretty good pick, yeah. It's Peyton Manning. Just like Peyton Manning was like, it's Andrew Luck. Yeah, right, exactly. You know what I mean? All right, Randy, I saw this headline and I made a mental note. I emailed this to myself and I said, Tioli Randy. So there is a man in Ohio who was convicted of killing a man by stabbing him and shooting him. And both, huh? Yeah, yeah. It was a stereo. Yeah, it was a quite the he wanted to make sure he was dead. Put it that way. Anyway, his name is John Tijin and he is in jail for this crime. And he gets a letter in jail from the man's half-sister saying, you know what? I forgive you. I forgive you for murdering my brother, Mm -hmm. for murdering my half-brother. He wrote her letter back and said, I didn't do it. I was falsely accused. Take a look at all this evidence I have. I didn't do it. The next thing you know, Randy, these two crazy kids are married. The woman ends up marrying the man that was convicted of killing her brother. (laughs) This is a great story. Take it or leave it. These two really did find love in a hopeless place. (laughs) You got to take that. You got to take it. Did he... Did they actually present the evidence and get him out of jail? He actually got out of prison this July, July 22nd, after he was granted a new trial based on a slew of images and missing police reports. So we don't know if he didn't do it. There was a 
an alleged report that he asked one of his friends to hide the gun mm-hmm. after it happened, which is part of the reason that landed him in jail. Um, but it seems like he's going to be out because well, good for them. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> and I feel bad for her for losing her half brother, but it doesn't sound like she feels so bad about it. But no, it doesn't. She oh, forg- forgive you. She You're forgave good. him wholeheartedly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Emily, what do we have on the text line? From the 573, take it or leave it. Randy Carricker even knows the number that Forrest Gump wore when he played for the Bear at Alabama. Oh, what was he, 22? Did we look it up, or should I go ahead and do that? Um, I looked it up a second ago, and I think it was something with a four. I I briefly I saw it for like Maybe half a 44. Give I think me it was a 44. Second. Give me a second. Okay. Well, at least we'll all know now at the same time. What was your guess? My, I originally said 22, then 44. It was 44. Okay. Forrest Gump, number 44, 110, 164, allegedly. He could run, too, man. <laughs> he really could. He could run. From the 636, take it or leave it, Matt Carpenter will be in spring training with the Cardinals next season. Leave it. I'm going to leave that. Yeah. Unless it's some sort of a coaching role. Yeah, that could Special be. Special assistant role. Yeah, or golfing buddy for Wayno. But if you're Matt Carpenter, do you really, if you have the first free spring training stretch of your career? Do you really want to go back down to Jupiter? He loves ball. He does. The Cardinals, by the way, and I think they got through this last year, but if he would have had 550 plate appearances average last year in this, they would have had to pick up the option. It would have been guaranteed for him, but he's not going to get anywhere close to 550 plate appearances this year. He's only at 194 right now. From the 636, take, take it or leave it. Paul DeYoung will be the starting shortstop for the Cardinals next year. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it, too. Not happy about it, but I'll take it. Yeah, I don't see them making a move there. No. No. Although, it'd be fun to get one of those premier shortstops. It would be fun. But that so, would cost a ton of money. Yeah. Sounds like Seeger is kind of out in L.A. And Correa will be out. I, I, think, I don't think that Houston's going to pay Correa. But I think the Yankees, perhaps, will be interested in a free agent shortstop. There will be some other teams that are interested. From the 314, take it or leave it, Wayna will get snubbed for the Baseball Hall of Fame, even though he only has one losing season record. Yeah, I'll take that. I do not think that right now the baseball writers are going to look at Adam Wainwright. They Even before all of the off-field things with... Kurt Schilling, who had a better career than Wainwright, even before all the off-field things, Schilling was at best a borderline guy. And Schilling was better than Wayno. He had a better career than Adam Wainwright's had. But what about when Adam Wainwright wins the Cy Young next season? Well, there you go. That changes things. That changes the narrative, of course, because he'll have done things that people have never done before. Do you think they've already made his red jacket for the Cardinals Hall yes, of Fame? Yeah. I mean, they know his measurements, right? Yeah, right. They they have. He and Yachty just, just have it on hand. Yeah, wave the three years. Yeah, just yeah. give it give it to him now. From the 636, take it or leave it. If Wayno comes back next season, he will finally get that elusive no-hitter to really put a bow on his career. Yeah, I'll take that. Uh, I'm not going to doubt him. No, Pirates are still going to be in the division. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Thanks, Emily. Thank you.
And uh, thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Let's do a check here. Michelle Smallman on the Insta, going to update, f- refresh, whatever you want to call it. And we are at 9,859 followers. Wow. Michelle Smallman needs 141 more followers to get to 10,000. If you have an Insta account, you need, and I know you do. I mean, you follow JLo, right? And you follow <laughs> the Kardashians. So you, you've got to just log on to your Instagram account, it's, even if it's a burner, and follow Michelle and get her up to 10,000. Do you follow JLo and the Kardashians? All I of them? do not. I'm sorry. You're telling me all the times you brought up Ben Affleck and JLo and A Rod on this show, you don't even follow JLo on Instagram? I've got a secret website that I check. I don't even follow her on Instagram. Hey, no. Come on, there's kids in the car. Yeah. No, it's it's one that <laughs> gives me all the gossip, but I don't have to have JLo popping up on my timeline. The hot gossip from the streets? Yeah, that's com. Hot gossip from the streets.com. <laughs> now, Randy, though, if you really want to. Get involved in this. You need to follow her on Instagram because she's posting pics of her and Ben. Okay, hold on. Is, is it just J Lo or is it, do I go Jennifer? It's at J Lo. And okay. if you want to oh, see someone spiraling, okay. follow Bing, at A Rod too. Bang, follow, boom. I love that you just followed her from a desktop computer. Desktop computer <laughs> uh, at work. <laughs> It's called research. (laughs) Yes, it is. Coming up, more of your reaction to Adam Wainwright's spectacular performance last night. And does the performance of 2021 cause you to want to bring him back in 2022? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Wow, we just watched the Cardinals play and Wayno put on a show. Maybe he could teach them how to pitch. I think that would be great. We don't need the other pitching coaches. Let's let Wayno teach them how to pitch instead of just throw the ball. Thanks for the mic drop, Janet. We do appreciate it. You can use your 101 ESPN app to leave us a mic drop, just like Janet just did. Character and Smallman, 804. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, and a virtuoso performance by Adam Wainwright last night in Pittsburgh, a complete game two-hit shutout at the age of 39. And I kind of think, Michelle, that this is the best start of his career. Last night? Yep. It's really impressive. Hard to be better than he was last night. He got a Maddox, no? He did. He went nine innings. He threw 88 pitches, two hits, no walks, seven strikeouts. He was sensational. And we always talk about strike one being the most important pitch. 28 hitters. He faced one above the minimum. And of those 28, 15 were first pitch strikes. And that's something that we've talked to him about when we do Wednesdays with Wano, about the game that they play within the game, about getting that first pitch strike. Unbelievable from Adam Wainwright. And last night afterwards, he talked a lot about how he has changed the way he's going about it. And so our question in goes, he's changed the way he's going about his business, sleep, eating, Energy. Uh, he, he said, "I we're, we're, we'll hear from him later on." He said, "Stretching." Yeah, it used to be food that I would crush that I just don't eat anymore. So he doesn't do that, and it makes me believe. And we heard him talk earlier about uh, how he has been in touch with Tom Brady's fitness guru, Alex Guerrero. I have no reason to believe that Adam Wainwright couldn't pitch next year if he wants to pitch. I believe he comes into camp as the Cardinals' number one starter, just like he's been this year. I agree. He comes in as the ace if he 
chooses to come back. I think that's where the conversation is right now. Not should the Cardinals bring him back. It's does Adam Wainwright choose to come back? Because if he wants to come back and the Cardinals don't want to give him an offer, then I don't know what we're doing here because I think you need to throw age out the window at this point and look at production. And he has been the most consistent and productive pitcher for you for the past two seasons. Not to mention what he brings from a morale standpoint and all the wisdom that he's imparted Mm -hmm. on a lot of the young players on this team, not just pitchers. You hear him talking. uh, He talked to us about the conversations he has with Harrison Bader. He's just an unbelievable leader on this team. And he backs that up with his performance every time he gets the ball. Michelle, here we are on August 12th. We are more than 100 games into the season. He's going to turn 40 in a couple of weeks. And there are three pitchers in all of Major League Baseball, three pitchers in all of Major League Baseball that have more wins than Adam Wainwright does. Who are they? Kyle Hendricks with the Cubs and Jose, uh, Julio Urias and Walker Bueller with the Dodgers. Hendricks and Urias each have 13. Bueller has 12. And Wayno has 11. He's got to come back next season. Your text 65780, your mic drops to the 101 ESPN mic drop feature. Michelle, what do we have? From the 314, I would always want Adam Wainwright to come back, but there is a small part of me that wants to see him go out resoundingly on top. Me too. And I would think because he told us that his final decision to return this year came when the Cardinals, when he found out the Cardinals were going to get Nolan Arenado. I have to believe that he is going to want to see what the Cardinals do before determining whether or not he's going to pitch for them in 2022. I I would think that that's one of the items that will go in, of many items, Mm -hmm. to his decision to come back or not. Yeah, I think that that's huge for him. He talked about Nolan Arenado, as you mentioned, and what really was a tipping point for him to come back this season because – If you've listened to this show and you've heard any of the conversations we've had with Adam Wainwright, every single week when we talk to him, he mentions his family, Mm -hmm. whether one of his daughters is with him and they're out in the garden or they're going to Starbucks before school. His family is everything to him. And he knows that he's spent a lot of time away from them because his job demands it. And he wants to probably make sure that if he comes back, that he's going to be coming back for a reason. You know, he he doesn't want to if Adam Wainwright was playing for the Pirates, I can't imagine that would be a desirable option for him to come back. And so the Cardinals probably should think about that. There's many reasons why they should go for it next year. But maximizing potentially the last year or most likely the last Mm. year of Wayno and Yachty is should be on that list. This just struck me. And again, whether or not this plays a role in his return or not. But at the age of 40, you're significantly older than most of your teammates and his best buddy on the team has been Matt Carpenter for a while. They're golfing buddies on the road. They do a lot of things together. And I I would have to, I don't know if that'll play a role in the decision, but that'll certainly be something that has an effect on Adam Wainwright is if Matt Carpenter isn't on the team anymore. And I can't imagine that he would be. No, I can't imagine that he would be either, but Adam Wainwright's been in this game for a long time and seen a lot of close friends come and go. That's just the nature of the game. They come and they go, Hobbs. They come and they go. They do. They come and they go. And I think that, We said this last season, but I truly think if he does come back next year, that's probably the last one for him. And so I think that even though he'd be sad that one or more of his buddies might not be on the team, I think that that's probably low on the list, thinking about your final season with an organization that has meant so much to you. 
From the 314, the contributions that Wayno has provided this team and this town are irreplaceable. He is an icon of Cardinal Nation. He much have a lar- must have a large statue soon. He also must, in all caps, be kept here until he retires, whenever that may be. His number 50 is a gold mine for merchandise sales over the next 100 years. Mm-hmm. Believe this. Agreed. And he really does take a lot of pride in being a St. Louis Cardinal. He's done so many incredible things for our community. And when he says it, he says, he doesn't say all the time, I'm proud to be a Cardinal. He loves this community. And he says, I'm proud to be a St. Louis Cardinal. He, he loves us. And I know that we love him too. And I would hope if he comes back next year and things don't go great, that people still adore him like they are today after such a great performance. I think they will because of his age. I think that they realize that this is an outlier, what we're getting out of Adam Wainwright at this point. And the inevitable will happen. Father time is undefeated unless he walks away after this season if he chooses to come back, we'll likely see some deterioration at some yeah. point. That's just what's going to happen. But I don't think that Cardinal Nation whatever will ever forget what Adam Wainwright has given to them and is still giving to them. Yeah. We're going to get to multiple uh, mic drops over the course of the next couple of hours. But we want to get this one from Neil, who joins us on 101 ESPN. Randy and Michelle, I just wanted to let you know I am a new Michelle Smallman Insta follower. Yes. Right. I'm also a character follower yes. and Uncle Charlie as well. Yes, Neil. I also wanted to let you know that last night's uh, performance for Wainwright was awesome. It was like watching a painter paint, <laughs> and uh, it doesn't really matter. I want him back next week or next year, the following year. As long as he's like the only guy you can count on on this team, we need him. (laughs) So many great things from that mic drop, Neil. First of all, thank you for following us and Adam Wainwright, the trifecta there. And Michelle's at 9901 now, 99 away. Getting close, guys, 10,000. But he is absolutely right on so many fronts. Adam Wainwright has been the most reliable guy for you, and it would be... It's inconceivable to think where the Cardinals would be the past two seasons without Adam Wainwright if the Cardinals had chosen not to bring him back. Can you imagine, Randy, if Adam Wainwright was not on this team and Jack Flaherty went down because of injury? Where would the Cardinals be? It would be They bleak. would be in fourth place. It would be They, they would bleak. be very deep in fourth place. Absolutely bleak. And Neil is correct. Watching Adam Wainwright pitch is like watching a painter paint. He is an artist. He absolutely is operating at the highest peak of his craft and watching him do what he do is do what he does is very special and you but you want to savor it because you don't know how many times you're going to see this let's get one more mic drop in this segment this is paul joining us on character and smallman on 101 espn i would be super excited to see wayno back i'd like to see him and yachty kind of go right off into the sunset together I think it's important that we see uh, our catcher of the future. I think it's really important that we make sure that we're seeing what's coming down the pipeline with regard to that position. But if 2021 taught us anything, it's that even when you think you have enough or too much pitching, you don't. Uh, I know we got Hudson coming back. I know we got Michaelis and Flaherty, but how about Libertor? Is he ready? Some of the guys that we thought were ready are uh, further off than we anticipated. And even if you stretch out Hicks and Reyes, I still don't think you're quite there. Sure would be nice to have old Reliable waiting in the wings, wouldn't it? With you 100% there. That, that is very well said. Old Reliable is practically a necessity because I don't see an old Reliable out there on the free agent market where you're going to say, okay, 
I can get that guy, and he's going to give me more than Adam Wainwright. I don't think Max Scherzer is moving from L.A. No, I and don't think so either. Zach Greinke, he's been really reliable for a long time, and he's a little bit younger than Waino by a couple of years. But is he going to be more reliable and better than Adam Wainwright? I'm not convinced of that. Adam Wainwright, if, if he were on the market at 40 years old, even at 40 years yeah. old, there's going to be a, a lot of teams interested in him. Other than his age, what has given you reason to doubt him? Nothing. That's the only caveat that we keep throwing out there as well. He's turning 40 in a few days. Well, he's turning 40 in a few days. His performance over the past few years has given you no reason to doubt him whatsoever. And I would rather ride with Adam Wainwright and take my chances yeah. than with anybody else. Yeah. And we did mention that only three pitchers have more wins than him. The only pitcher in Major League Baseball of all 30 teams that has more innings pitched than Adam Wainwright this year is Zach Wheeler of the Phillies. Adam is second with 148 and two-thirds innings. Tip of the cap to Uncle Charlie. Unbelievable. And more of your mic drops and texts coming up later in the show. But next up, maybe some good news for Dallas. Maybe some good news for Indianapolis. NFL news and notes coming your way with Carriker and Smallman, 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. A lot of things happening in the National Football League. We talked yesterday about the shoulder issues that Dak Prescott, the Cowboys quarterback, has been dealing with. And he has returned to throwing in practice. How does that shoulder that's been ailing feel? Yeah, good. Uh, I mean, no necessarily residuals, uh, no soreness um, past what we necessarily expect, I guess we can say. Um, So, I mean, just staying on this track, staying smart about it, and I'm looking forward to continuing to do that, keep stacking more days on top of each other, uh, getting more reps as I go, and as, as you said, getting some of these team reps and just continue to progress. Michelle, I didn't think about this yesterday, but then I, I thought about it during the day. I have to believe that any issues that Dak Prescott has had with his shoulder are the desire for drama in hard knocks. Well, he's getting another MRI on that Yeah, hard, hard knock. They're going to show him... NFL Films is going to show him going into the MRI tube. It's all for hard knocks. It's all for the TV show, guaranteed. Really? Yeah, guaranteed. So then what about Deion Sanders talking about what he saw at practice? Or Michael Irvin. Michael Irvin. It was right. Michael Irvin, excuse me. Yeah, it was all for... Yeah, Deion's a coach now. The cameras were there. The the hard knock cameras were there. It doesn't matter if Dak throws in practice or not. It's all drama. It's all for a a TV show. So you think this this is all fake news? It's Jerry Jones. Of course it is. They're but driving up ratings that, for hard knocks. But don't you think then if Jerry wanted some drama that he would want it to be around himself? That he oh, would, no. it's would with want the, to have to do with him? It's with the quarterback that he just gave $100 zillion to. <laughs> and then he, he's probably saying, well, I don't know. We just guaranteed him $50 zillion. Uh, I wonder if he's going to be able to play. And so people are going to see that. And it's going to be a story. And it's going to drive ratings on hard knocks. It's all, it's all, all it's about. Okay, I'm imagining the Cowboys brass sitting in the war room saying... How do we develop a great narrative on hard knocks for Dak? What if he's injured, air quotes, and he's so tough and he's such a Dallas Cowboy that he battles back from a shoulder injury to lead the Cowboys to victory? Now you're thinking. And you know what, guys? If that is, in fact, the case, he already is battling back from an injury. You didn't need to manufacture one. But I don't know if if this is manufactured. I think he's actually dealing with something. He really has an ailment there. But If that's the case and you're right, that's a pretty dumb storyline because he already is dealing with the ankle. 
But he's back from that already. He's running around. We've got video of him running around. But so still a big storyline. We all saw the injury. It was bad. It was kind of bad. Especially when he tried to put his ankle together and he couldn't. I don't. Yikes. <laughs> Do we have a no. like a tackle or something? Like a first we down? We don't have a, we don't have a transition. Oh, <clears throat> tackle. All right. Yeah. Well, let's talk about one quarterback to another. How about Jets rookie quarterback Zach Wilson? So he was in practice yesterday. He threw this ball. It was nearly intercepted by linebacker C.J. Mosley. And, of course, post-practice, the media asked him about it. And he has a different viewpoint of practice than most people think. No, yeah, for sure. And, you know, taking care of the ball is, is 100% a quarterback's job. And, and one of my goals when I came out here – uh, and I got drafted was just like, how can I adapt to this NFL game as quickly as I can? And I, I can't be afraid to make mistakes, especially in practice. You know, this isn't a game. This is where I'm learning what I can get, get away with and what I can't. And so, you know, there's times where, you know, maybe in a real game, I probably wouldn't throw that. But, but it's times where I'm like, well, well, let me try right here and see what I can get away with. And it's, you know, as we get closer to game, you have to start teaching yourself. You know, in that situation, you know what, CJ got a, got a hand on it. He made the play. And so it's like, okay, well, next time in that situation, that same look, I'm going to check the ball down. And so uh, that's what we practice for us to, to be able to play situations out like that. Mike Martz would love Zach Wilson, <laughs> except for the part at the end where he said, check the ball down. But Mike Martz encouraged his quarterbacks to do that in games, to take chances. Well, if you're not going to try something in practice, how do you know if you can do it? Yeah. And the more that I hear him speak, he just seems very confident and very poised. And I think the Jets may have hit on somebody with him. He's handling all of the media stuff very well. Mm -hmm. Of course, it has to play out on the field. We need the results for him to actually be the right pick. But I'm so with him. And I love that the Jets are encouraging that from him. Yes, you are a high draft pick. Yes, you are going to be QB one of the Jets. But you're still a rookie and you're still finding your way. And we want you to fail here in a safe environment Mm -hmm. where you can learn from those mistakes as opposed to in the game when it counts. And it's Matt LaFleur's brother, Mike, that's the offensive coordinator in New York with the Jets. So I would imagine that a lot of the same things that you saw over the years or have seen over the last couple of years from Aaron Rodgers, those are being taught to Zach Wilson. Pretty cool. Michelle. Oh, wait, Randy. Oh, there we go. Found it. Love it. Carson Wentz, we were really concerned about the 5 to 12 week time frame for him coming back from foot surgery. Well, Adam Schefter learned yesterday that it's going to be closer to 5 than 12. They always viewed the second week after the surgery, which will be next week, as a key week to telling whether or not he would be able to come back for the regular season opener against the Seattle Seahawks. But go back to when he had the surgery. The initial timeline on the injury was 5 to 12 weeks, a very broad timeline. But it's become apparent in the last 10 or so days that they really believe he's going to be closer to the five-week timeline than the 12-week timeline. Now, maybe that won't mean he makes it back to the Seahawks, but it certainly doesn't seem right now like it'll be that far after. But they should have a better idea in the next week or two, depending on how he looks walking around. But right now, no boot, no crutches, no nothing. And no limp. And just as important as Carson Wentz for that team, their best offensive lineman, Quentin Nelson, had the exact same surgery and is on the exact same timeline. They, th- they look for him to be available within the first couple of weeks of the season, too. But what percent will they both be when they return? That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, it's, it's not going to be 100. Maybe it'll be 89%. Yeah, you just tape it up. You just tape up the foot. You'll be fine. But I do wonder about Carson. And if he's not 100%, will there be trepidation there from him? Will he be nervous about 
getting uh, the foot re- stepped on. A recurring injury. That's right. I don't know. We'll find out. But I'm intrigued. Me too. Well, the preseason officially starts tonight, Randy. You have the Washington football team versus the New England Patriots, 6.30 Central time. I know you're going to be watching that. I'll be dialed in. I know you're going to be super dialed in, especially because the Cardinals are playing during the day today. I know this is what your nighttime plans are. Field of Dreams game, too, though. Oh, good point. You can go back and forth. I'm sure you have two TVs. picture in a picture type deal. Yeah. Yeah, All right. Yeah, you could do a tablet, uh, a phone, multiple screens going at the character household. Anyway, when you watch that game, know this. You're going to see both quarterbacks for the New England Patriots. You're going to see Cam Newton and Mac Jones, as both are expected to play in tonight's preseason opener against the Washington football team at Gillette. Now, how long they play is TBD, according to Bill Belichick, who, of course, is notoriously uh, a guy who keeps his cards close to the vest. But I think it's going to be interesting to see the amount of playing time each guy gets, because while most people think Cam Newton is going to be the guy under center. Mac Jones is knocking on the door. There's been some positive things coming out of camp about Mac Jones and what they've seen out of him in New England. Intrigued to see him in a game after being the number one draft choice of the Patriots this year. And unfortunately, on the other side of the ball, Mason Rudolph is going to start (laughs) uh, rather than Dwayne Haskins for the Steelers. But here you have it now. You've got games that are underway in the NFL preseason. Those are your NFL news and notes. Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Coming up, another camp underway is in Columbus. Columbia, Mizzou quarterback Connor Basilak joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Later this morning in Columbia, the Mizzou football team will conduct their sixth practice of preseason training camp and leading the charge for the Tigers at the quarterback position is Connor Basilak who joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line on 101 ESPN. Connor great to have you with us how you doing? Doing well thanks for having me on. Hey thank you very much for taking some time five practices under your belt so far how are things going how are you feeling about the way things are progressing? Yeah I'm feeling really good um, about everyone on the team Um, you know We've got a really deep offensive line, a great group of receivers, uh, two really good running backs. So uh, I'm feeling feeling really good about the offense and, and where we're heading. Connor, last season you became the starting quarterback in week two. But what's it been like for you from a confidence standpoint to head into camp knowing that you're QB1? Yeah, I think it's been really big. Um, last year I was able to kind of gain that experience of you know, eight starts in the in the SEC against all SEC teams. Um, so, so I've seen a lot. Um, I've been through a lot of a lot of those games, a lot of those experiences. So I think that just gave me a lot of confidence heading into this year that um, you know I'll be ready for anything. Of course, last year, Connor, you didn't get much of an opportunity. Spring ball was kind of non-existent, and then training camp was limited because of the pandemic. How has this year's camp, and especially when you add spring ball into the mix, how has it been different? Yeah, it's been it's been a lot different. Um, this off season has been huge for 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 this whole team, um, especially for me. You know, I've been able to kind of expand my role of of a, of a leader on this team and. Um, you know, really get the timing down with the receivers, tight ends, running backs, and then also just being able to be around all the guys and build really, build relationships with everyone, and you know, build that uh, camaraderie. It, it's we weren't able to do it last year, and it's. 
it's been super helpful this year. And I know, Connor, that Coach Drink has a lot that he puts into that offensive playbook. I would have to believe that that part of it, too, just learning what he wants to do and getting on the same page with Drink, that's really been a, a benefit of having more time, too, hasn't it? Yeah, for sure. You know, last year, um, all meetings were on Zoom, and you know, it's, it's kind of hard to learn the playbook, not not having him standing right in front of you teaching. So, But this year, you know, he, we, we had meetings in person, and um, obviously I had, I already knew, the, knew most of the stuff, but you know, just being able to watch film together and, you know, really dive deep into the playbook and, and learn more has been has been really good. Connor, speaking of your head coach, I was listening to some commentary on the late, great Bobby Bowden, and I thought Bomani Jones made a good point. He said that Bobby Bowden had this bigger-than-life personality when he was coaching in college football, and now most college football programs have head coaches that are really corporate. They're very businesslike, and they come in with a job to do, and a lot of teams take on that, that same thought process. But your head coach, he definitely has a big personality. We see it through the media, but I have to imagine behind closed doors and at practice, it's even bigger than we get to see. Yeah, he's he's a character, and um, I think everyone on the team loves him and and kind of the culture he brings. Um, you know, he's he's a, he's a he's a cool guy and a players coach, but he's not afraid to to rip into you when when he needs to. When you're on the field in practice, what's the most interesting or different thing about Eli Drinkwitz? I would just say his communication with the players, um, just his his attention to detail and and everything. You know, if if a rep doesn't go doesn't go right, he'll he'll make sure he talks talks it over with you and you know ask what you what what you saw and and kind of stuff like that. I have to imagine Connor too that he got some cool points from the team when he showed up to SEC Media Day wearing those Jordans. Oh yeah, I think I think the whole team loved it and. That's, that's that's who he is. <laughs> Connor, you guys lost a lot of receivers over the course of the offseason. You mentioned the, the depth of your receiving core. You have Chisholm back, you have Toski Dove back, but otherwise a lot of guys that you haven't had an opportunity to play with yet. was Is that a big part of this training camp is developing chemistry and trying to figure out where guys are going to be from your perspective? Yeah, I think so. I think um, I, I really think we have a really good – really good group at receiver. Um, you know, we had some freshmen last year who are stepping up in camp and, and starting to really play well. Um, you know, we got transfer from Ohio state Mookie Cooper. Um, he's going to be great for us. He's really explosive. And then, uh, we got Barrett Bannister coming back. Who's, uh, catch everything third down machine. So, you know, I think, and like you said, we got Towski and Kiki who are reliable and, um, they have experience. So I think it's a really good group and just continuing to get that timing down um, with them and, you know, get in the film room with them has been, has been really good. We saw Mookie here in St. Louis when he was in high school. And he seems like one of those guys from a quarterback's perspective where you can just drop back and put it up and expect him to go get it. Uh, can you overthrow Mookie Cooper? It is really hard to, but <laughs> 
Well, Connor, this offseason has been interesting for college football in general with the new changes to NIL. And I saw that you actually signed on with the Octagon family for your NIL representation. You're QB1 for an SEC team. I can imagine that there's a lot of opportunities there for you. So what's it been like for you navigating this NIL, these new waters in college football? Yeah, I think it's great for, for the players just to be able to profit off their name, image, and likeness. But, um, you know, like you said, I signed I signed with an agent just so I didn't have to have that distraction during the season. You know, I think we're all here we're all here to play football and win and win football games. So I didn't want that to be a distraction during the season and um, get in the way of my play. So you know, they're going to handle everything. You know, bring bring opportunities to me while. While I'm focusing on what I need to do, we this team to win. Connor Bazelak, the Mizzou quarterback with us on 101 ESPN. Connor, you mentioned that you played an all-SEC schedule last year, and that's a great way to get baptized. And by the way, your initial game was a great way to get baptized. That was the Georgia game, right, uh, a couple of years ago? Yep. With what yep. you know now about this conference, how good can Missouri be this year? We can be as good as we want. we want to be. Um, you know, we have the talent, we have the players, we have the coaches. Um, it's really just, it's really just about the mindset we have week in and week out, um, taking each week, each week at a time, one at a time. And, um, you know, really focusing in on, on finding what, to what the coaches are preaching and focusing in on, on that week. And I have to believe Connor, uh, a couple more quick things. Classes start in 10 days. You got to be fired up. You're, you're probably tired of all this football stuff and just ready for class to start, right? Yeah, a little bit, but you know, that's, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here is to play football. So Good. Hey, and uh, one last thing. A couple of former NFL head coaches on your staff, Steve Wilkes, your new defensive coordinator. Scott Linehan was the head coach of the St. Louis Rams when they were here, and he's one of your mm-hmm. analysts. How much interaction have you had with those two, and how, how interesting is it to have a couple of former NFL head coaches on the coaching staff? Yeah, it's been super helpful for me to have Coach Linehan here, um, just kind of have a, another set of eyes on things. You know, he's been coaching for for a while now with in the NFL, and um, coach Matt Stafford for a while so um, he's been really great just kind of helping with concepts you know bringing some new new concepts in and then also just kind of like I said another set of eyes on um, kind of my performance and in a practice and and whatnot. Connor thanks so much for the time we do appreciate it have a good practice today have a terrific season and hopefully as the season unfolds we'll be able to talk again. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, sir. Connor Bazelak, the quarterback for the University of Missouri. And Michelle, interesting, he he was he didn't play four games two years ago. Mm-hmm. So last year he was a red, for, red shirt freshman. This year, because of the pandemic, everybody has been given an extra year. He's essentially a third-year freshman at Missouri this year. So weird, the way everything unfolded for him in his career. But if he ends up being the next great Mizzou quarterback, I think a lot of fans will be happy that he had those years of eligibility. And the thing is, if he's Zach Wilson this year, he could come out of school after this season and be a first-round pick as a freshman. That's crazy. (laughs) It's never happened before. No, that's crazy. We've got a late edition of The Fight coming up. That is next with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. 
on Carriker and Smallman. In the red corner, Average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carriker. Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It's 8.48, that time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And it's time for a late edition of The Fight. Normally we do The Fight every morning at 8.30 a.m., but when you can talk to QB1 of your Missouri Tigers, Connor Bazelock, you take that opportunity. So thank you to Sean, who is participating in a late edition of The Fight today. What's up, Sean? Hey there, how's it going? We're doing great. How are you this morning? I'm doing wonderful. Awesome. You ready to take on Randy in The Fight? I am. I'll do my best. All right. Well, good luck to you. Question number one. On this day in 1963, Stan Musial announced his retirement. Which team's fans' chance of here comes the man at a Cardinals away game coined the nickname Stan the Man? Is it the Brooklyn Dodgers, the Chicago Cubs, or the Philadelphia Phillies? Uh, We're going to go Chicago Cubs. Miguel Cabrera is one home run away from joining the 500 home run club. Who was the most recent player to achieve the 500 career home run mark? Was it Albert Pujols, David Ortiz, or Jim Tomey? Uh, Pujols. Brewers pitcher Corbin Burns joined some exclusive company last night after striking out 10 batters in a row. Only two pitchers have ever done this before. Tom Seaver did it in 1970, and another pitcher did it earlier this season. Who was it? Was it Aaron Nola, Carlos Rodon, or Max Scherzer? Uh, We're going to go with Scherzer. And after last night, Adam Wainwright's 11 shutouts are the most bad Cardinals pitcher in the wildcard era. Which Cardinals pitcher has the most career shutouts all time? Is it Bob Forsh, Bob Gibson, or Dizzy Dean? Uh, Bob Gibson. Okay, checking our score. Randy's on his way in. Sean, are you S-E-A-N or S-H-A-W-N? S-H-A-U-N. S-H-A-U-N, the third option that I didn't throw in there. Nice, because (laughs) I always write down our fighter's name, and when it came to write down your name, I didn't know how to spell it, so thanks for that. Randy, say what's up to Sean, S-H-A-U-N, Sean. Sean, thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Welcome to the show. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Randy. How are you? Doing well. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, Mr. Carriker. Ready. Question number one. On this day in 1963, Stan Musial announced his retirement. Which team's fans' chance of here comes the man at a Cardinals away game coined the nickname Stan the Man? Stan, he the man. I think that's the Brooklyn Dodgers. Miguel Cabrera is one home run away from joining the 500 home run club, who was the most recent player to achieve the 500 career home run mark. I'm thinking it might be Albert Pools. I'm going to go with him. Question number three. Brewers pitcher Corbin Burns joined some exclusive company last night after striking out 10 batters in a row. Only two pitchers have ever done this before. Tom Seaver did it in 1970. And another pitcher did it earlier this season. No. Who was it? La. Aaron Nola. (laughs) Randy. (laughs) And after after last night, Adam Wainwright's 11 shutouts are the most by a Cardinal pitcher in the wildcard era. Which Cardinals pitcher has the most career shutouts all time? I'm going to say Bob Gibson. Just going to be logical here and go with Gibby. Randy versus Sean, S-H-A-U-N. Who won? 
Ring the bell, Emily. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com. Sorry, Sean. As much as we love the spelling of your name, Randy showed no mercy. He beat you three to one. Three to one. So the chance of here comes the man were coming from Brooklyn Dodgers fans, therefore coining the nickname Stan the Man. Miguel Cabrera, one home run away from joining the 500 club mark, the la- the most recent player to achieve that, is David Ortiz. It's that pesky big oh, poppy, poppy who did it September 12th of 2015. Albert Pujols, by the way, did it April 22nd of 2014. So hmm. poppy, poppy after Albert Pujols. So in the last seven years, Albert has, I guess he's all right, 200 home runs. Right? Almost 200 yeah. in the last seven years. So Corbin Burns striking out 10 batters in a row last night. The two pitchers who have ever done this were Tom Seaver in 1970 and Aaron Nola, who did it earlier this season. I always thought Aaron Nola sounds like a last name. Like if you say it all together, if you say his Aaron name Nola, quickly, yeah. it sounds like Arenado, Aaron Nola. Yeah. It sounds like a last name. Anyway. And by the way, if there were a team in New Orleans, he has to pitch for them, right? Right. Nola and Nola. <laughs> yeah. Right. You would think so. Okay. So the Cardinals pitcher who has the most career shutouts of all time, of course, is Bob Gibson with 56 career shutouts. Incredible. Sean, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for playing. Have an awesome, and I mean awesome Thursday. Thanks, guys. All right. We appreciate Sean joining us for the fight here on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals playing at 1130 this morning. I always enjoyed these, these 1130 in the morning Pittsburgh games, 1230 their time. And it's good just to, I'm sure for the players, get the game out of the way and then move on to their next thing. And the Cardinals will move on to Kansas City this weekend. I love an early game. I love a noon start, 1130, even better, because we are selfish. And we we like to watch games early so we can go to bed early. But it's fun, you know, if you're on a Thursday and you want to play a little bit of hooky, throw up your screen, watch the game. I was just talking to you, man, in the hall, and he made a, a good point. He said, why not the Cards and Cubs? in the in Iowa in the Field of Dreams games doesn't that just make all due respect to the Yankees and the White Sox but doesn't it more, make more mistake to have the Cards and Cubs in Iowa yeah where you probably have half and half in terms of fans yeah and it makes all the sense in the world a great rivalry game both midwestern teams but isn't the Cubs affiliate in Iowa yeah so you definitely have a lot of Cubs fans that would Cubs, show yeah. up for that yeah that seems like a no brainer and even when the Cardinals were supposed to participate it participate in it last season it was versus the White Sox yeah so hopefully if they do this again and I don't know if they will uh, I don't even know if they're going to go back to the Little League World Series event the the neutral site games I don't mind if the Cardinals lose a home game to play in something like that and by the way the White Sox and Yankees will have a travel day tomorrow so they're off on Friday and then we'll play the remaining two games of the series in Chicago on Saturday and Sunday and Carlos Rodon was supposed to pitch tonight for the White Sox. He's not there with shoulder fatigue. He's been placed on the IL, and Tony Larusa will not be there for the White Sox because he's attending the funeral of his sister's husband, I believe. Death in the family, yeah. Yeah, so that happens. And like I said, uh, I think I said it to BT, might not be a bad idea for the White Sox to get used to that. When you have a 76-year-old manager, some friends are going to be dying, right? I was speaking to someone over the weekend who was a little bit older, and they were talking about being on Facebook. And we're talking about social media and how much we hate it. But the person goes, how will I know when all my friends pass away? (laughs) That's a good point. I was like, yeah, that's a fair point. You probably find out on Facebook. 
Speaking of uh, the, the social media, Michelle, we're working on trying to get Michelle to 10,000 Instagram followers today. And we've made quite a dent as we try to get to 10,000. Uh, Michelle, do we? Do you have your here? I'll get your here, latest refresh. For you. It's at nine thousand nine hundred thirty, getting super close. Okay, so we're seventy away. We need Come you on. if if you're on the Insta. We need you to log on right now. If you're not not following M Smallman, S M A L L M O N, you need to follow her. And if you aren't on Instagram, you need to sign up and follow Michelle at M Smallman. And while you're there, you can follow me at R J Carriker. That's K A R R A K E R. Coming up next, we are going to hear more from you. In regards to the excitement level of Adam Wainwright coming back, how do you feel about Wayno, especially after this sensational season, coming back for another year in 2022? That's next on today's Big Thing on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Ground ball off the glove of Wayno. by Goldie. He does it. 88 pitches. He is 18 days away from his 40th birthday, and tonight he gets his 27th complete game, his 11th complete game shutout. Only two hits allowed. Adam Wainwright, 4-0 the final, and he was absolutely magnificent. Danny Mack, the call last night on Valley Sports Midwest. Adam Wainwright with... A spectacular outing, probably the best start of his career. It's 9-1 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Carriker and Smallman, and Michelle. We've been talking all morning about the possibility and the hope that Adam Wainwright will return for another season in 2022. He better return because the Cardinals need him. He's been the most consistent and productive player for them over the past two seasons. He's the ace of this team. And if you're heading into 2022 and you want to win, Adam Wainwright needs to be a part of that equation. He is all reliable as an earlier mic dropper called him. And because of that reliability, and when you look at the other pitchers that the Cardinals will have on their staff next year, and this is obviously before we talk about any free agents, but Jack Flaherty, was he, he didn't throw many innings last year. He's been hurt this year. He's not going to be a guy that, at least at the outset next year, you would think is going to throw a ton of innings. Certainly, you can't rely on him like you can rely on Wainwright. can't rely on Miles Michaelis like you can rely on Wainwright. Certainly can't rely on Hudson or Reyes or Hicks or Oviedo or Matthew Libertor. None of those guys bring to the table the level of durability that Adam Wainwright brings you right now. So the question of the morning is, is how excited are you about the possibility of Adam Wainwright? And what do you think the necessity is of Adam Wainwright being with the Cardinals next year? And Rashawn was kind enough to use the mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app and check in on this very subject. Good morning, Randy and Michelle. For sure, you got to bring Wainwright back. Uh, he's been awesome. He's been your best pitcher on the team. And, and not just, you know, by Cardinal standards. I'm pretty sure he's like top six in in the National League and maybe top ten uh, in, in the majors and in innings, uh, he's been he's been great. So yes, you got to bring him back. It, it's you don't go from what he's doing this year to falling off a cliff. Like he can he can regress some and still be a quality pitcher. Forget the age. I would almost consider two years at this point. Um, but for sure next year and, and go year by year with him. But man, he's been great. Like he's not like good. He's great. So, yes, of course, you don't just part ways with your best pitcher. you 
got to bring him back. Good call, Rashawn. And second in Major League Baseball in innings. And only three pitchers in Major League Baseball have more wins than his 11. Like I just said, if you want to win, you need to bring back Adam Wainwright. I think the question isn't, it: do the Cardinals bring him back? The question now, at least for me, is does he want to come back? Because we speak to him every week. We know how important his family is to him. We know how much he values that time that he has with him. And when you're a professional baseball player, there's a lot of time in your year that's spent away from your family. And I wonder if this is something that he wants to do. Does he want to go out on top? He's such a competitor. Does he want to continue to pitch until they have to rip the jersey off of him? I think we know that with Yadier Molina that he would go on as long as they yeah. would they would have him. He's going to have to be told no from everybody before he retires. Adam Wainwright has other options. We know that he has the media option if he so chooses, whether it's here in St. Louis. I'm sure there will be a spot for him or nationally. We talked to Greg Amzinger, and he said the guys at MLB Network love Adam Wainwright. He was great for Fox. He's got a lot of options. So I think the the question is, does he want to return? It'll be a hard decision for him. And from a baseball perspective, it was if it was only baseball, if he didn't have family considerations, this would be really easy. He would like to pitch until he was 45. But he does have family considerations. He does have the issue of Major League Baseball and the Players Association not having an agreement for Mm -hmm. next year. He doesn't want to be involved in anything like that and not know when he's going to pitch. So the first thing baseball needs to do is preserve, preserve having Adam Wainwright in your sport. Do the best thing for your sport by getting an agreement and then let Adam make a decision and That's going to come down to what his family thinks and how he wants to deal with the fact that his kids are getting older and he wants to spend more time with them. We know he turns 40 in a matter of days. And not only does his performance over the past two seasons lead me to believe that he can do it again next year, but he spoke to us and we mentioned it earlier in the show about two years ago, him three or four years ago, excuse me, him getting on the phone with Alex Guerrero, Tom Tom Brady's trainer. And he reached out to him and had a two hour long conversation with him about changes that he needed to make to his diet, changes that he needed to make to his lifting program. And he's been doing those practices for the past three or four years. And when I look at other guys who have followed Alex Guerrero, namely Tom Brady, Gronk, I'm looking at guys who deal with a lot more wear and tear on their bodies, or I should say wear and tear in different ways. It's a much more physical sport, football is. But they've been able to preserve themselves, Tom Brady preserve himself into his 40s. So why wouldn't I think Adam Wainwright has a couple years left in the tank? Yeah, I, I would think that that would be at least the, the minimum, the way he's going, that he would have a couple of years left. Let's hear from Janet, our friend Janet on 101 ESPN. Wayno knows how to pitch, not just throw the ball up there as hard as he can do it. He knows location, location, location. He's wonderful, and he's my hero, and he's the only reason I watch baseball right now. Hey, there's a lot to be said for that. He didn't walk anybody last night. He struck out seven. He threw 88 pitches. What do we complain about? We complain about slow games, fast game. We complain about people walking. We complain about not playing Mm -hmm. a brand of baseball where there's no home runs. He gets a double and a single, and he drives in runs. Everything that we want from baseball, Adam Wainwright delivered for us last. The DH, you're thinking, thinking about not having... Uh, a pitcher hit. Why do we not want pitchers hitting? Because generally they don't hit. He's a pitcher that hits. Everything that we want out of baseball, Adam Wainwright delivered last night, except for a stolen base. 
and he probably would have attempted it yeah. if that opportunity existed. I, I'm with Janet. Adam Wainwright's kind of my hero, too, in so many ways. I can't admire anyone more than I admire him, not only for what he does on the baseball field, but there's just so many components to why Adam Wainwright is such an important Cardinal. When you think about the Cardinal way, who encompasses that better than Adam Wainwright? He makes you proud that he wears the laundry that represents mm-hmm. you and your city. And I look at someone who is at the end of his career and who is doing everything possible to make sure that he's in the best position to help his team win, not only from what he consumes or the way that he treats his body, but the way that he talks to younger members of the team and he's imparting knowledge on them. He does everything right. He does every single thing right. He pours back into the community. He cares about representing St. Louis. There's there's no box that Adam Wainwright does not check if you're in the St. Louis Cardinals organization. You have to bring it back. Michelle, I can tell you this. I am... 58 years old, and I've never been one to buy, like, I I wouldn't buy a a Tiger Woods or a Tom Brady logoed cap. I wouldn't buy a a shirt generally with somebody's face on it. I do own a Wayno's World and an Uncle Charlie t-shirt. That's what I think of the guy. I'm 58 years old, (laughs) and and I'm buying Wayno's World and and, uh, Uncle Charlie t-shirts from his Foundation BigLeagueImpact.org. He is an ace in every sense of the word. Yeah, he's spectacular. And by the way, this could have gone downhill, and it did. He he was closing in on retirement. So, what changed? Yeah, seventeen and eighteen were 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 odd years. I mean, not only was I hurt, but I was trying to still do a lot of things like I did when I was younger, and I didn't need to do those things anymore. You know, as uh, as far as working out and running, and the way I was eating, and the way I was. Doing everything needed to, it just needed a change. You know, it needed to, uh, it needed to evolve like the rest of my game was. And so, um, you know, getting with the dietitian or the the uh, the the diet plan that allowed me to feel better and to be able to, you know, recover. Um, not eating some foods that I used to crush, you know, on the on the regular. Not you know, staying away from those. But you know, big things are uh, how we're lifting, how we're how we're training now, how I'm. How I'm sleeping and and how I'm hydrating now is just different. You know, it's just a whole lot different than I used to do. That's a lot, a whole lot more important to me now. Uh, the stuff that I do, um, not necessarily in the weight room because it was always important, but all the little things, the way I eat, the way I drink, and and the way I'm trying to recover between starts is is on an, on another level than I never used to do. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just you know, who knows if. If uh, I'd be even pitching if I didn't do half those things, so if you want to keep being good at your craft, you gotta you gotta bob and weave and evolve with 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 your game as it goes. Adam Wainwright, bobbing and weaving. Shout mm-hmm. out to the greatest show on turf. But think about that. He knew that in order for him to get to this point in his career, he was going to have to overhaul things. He needed to take a completely holistic approach to the way that he approached his craft from what he does in the weight room to think about the things he mentioned, which seem so simple, but are so crucial to the recovery process. Hydration, the way he rests, what he puts in his body. I'm sure Adam Wainwright loves crushing barbecue. We all mm-hmm. know that. But he, he knew that he needed to fuel his body in a certain way for him to be able to perform at a high level. And we always compliment Tom Brady on the dedication that he has to his body and to maintaining a certain lifestyle that he needs to, that he it's required of him to be able to compete at this level. And Adam Wainwright deserves every ounce of respect yeah. for, for from Cardinals fans, from baseball fans, because he's doing the exact same thing. It doesn't have a name, a TB12 name. We don't hear about his trainer the way we hear about Alex Guerrero, but he has dedicated himself to 
to this team and to his craft in the same exact way. And if you are a teammate, when you you talk about respect, Michelle, you see the way he eats, you see the way he works out, you see the way he treats his body, you see the way he goes about preparing for starts. If you're a Flaherty or a Reyes or a Gallegos or a Dakota Hudson, aren't you watching every single move that this 40-year-old guy is making and saying, I want to be able to do that when I'm 40? I am, if I'm one of those guys, I am so annoying to Adam Wainwright. I am on him like glue. I'm following him around and asking him questions all the time and trying to absorb every ounce of wisdom and information that I can. You know, when you first get into any industry, when you're fresh out of college and you're trying to find a job, one thing that I always heard was whenever you do an internship or you get into a new job, find the person you most want to emulate and follow them around and absorb as much as you can. And if you're a pitcher or even just a player on this team. Is there anyone that you want to emulate more than Adam Wainwright? No, No. of course not. So, And it seems like he is so generous with his time and so generous in imparting the things that he knows on his team to his teammates because he knows that their growth puts him in a better position. Their growth puts the team in a better position. So what else can you say? He's amazing. And he's mentioned it multiple times, but that guy for him was Chris Carpenter when he showed up at camp. He said, okay, that's the guy that I'm, he was going to pick out a guy to follow around. He said, that's the guy I'm going to follow around and emulate. And there are are a lot of similarities between Chris Carpenter's pitching and Adam Wainwright's pitching. Think about how impactful that acquisition was, the acquisition of Adam Wainwright. Oh, monstrous. Yeah. I mean, you you put it up there with the all-time great moves in Cardinals history. Right. Especially with, when you trade a guy, ironically, that Cardinal fans complained just didn't want to play. He, J.D. Drew, talented player, uber-talented, but he just didn't want to play, wouldn't, wouldn't be there, wouldn't answer the bell for a guy that now at the age of 40 is doing everything he can to answer the bell. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that's today's big thing on 101 ESPN. By the way, give Michelle a Christmas present. Would you follow her on Christmas. Uh, the, the in, or Christmas a birthday it, present? Is it December? Uh, early <laughs> Christmas present. Um, so Michelle's got a birthday tomorrow. She's not going to be here. She's going to be taking the day off, which is a good thing yeah. for you. But she needs 25 followers to get to 10,000 on the Insta. So if you can just log on to your Insta, follow M. Smallman, M-S-M-A-L-L-M-O-N. We want Michelle to get up to 10,000 followers today. If you want to follow me, that's fine, too. It's RJ Carricker. Uh, but we just want Michelle to get to 10,000 followers before her birthday. It's a key. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carricker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Done it. You've done the best <laughs> listeners in sports have put Michelle over 10,000 on Instagram. Congratulations to you. Congratulations to Michelle. Congratulations to the whole show. Congratulations to St. Louis. Michelle, I know this is a long awaited goal for you. This is something that you've been striving yes. for pretty much since we started our show on May 2nd of 2020. And here you are. How does it feel? It feels great. Thank you to the BLIS for their continued support of Carriker and Smallman and of my Instagram page. And here's why I wanted to get to 10,000 followers. It's so that I can share the podcast. You need to have 10,000 followers in order to have the swipe up feature on your Instagram story. And I wanted to be able to share the podcast on a different platform every day. So if you are a new follower... 
First of all, welcome to the circle. Second of all, you can expect the Character and Smallman podcast every single day on my Instagram story. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, so it's just people helping people, powerful yeah. stuff. Thank you. And we came in about 300 short, so thanks to you if you clicked today to follow Michelle Smallman on the day before her birthday. That's your birthday present to Michelle. All right. <laughs> You're killing me, Smalls. So all morning, Randy, we've been talking about the unbelievable sustainability of Adam Wainwright, who's going to turn 40 in a few days, and how he has worked with Alex Guerrero, Tom Brady's famed trainer or guru. I think guru is a more appropriate term because he's more than just a trainer. He helps him in every aspect of his life and of his wellness journey. Well, Tom Brady just turned 44, as we know, earlier this month. He's entering his 22nd season in the NFL, and there's a lot of guys, a lot of younger guys paying attention to that, including Derek Carr of the Las Vegas Raiders. He He's entering year eight, and he has circled Tom Brady as a person he wants to emulate. He says, quote, I feel like I can play another 15 years without a doubt. Mind you, he's 30. He turned 30 in March. He said, nothing's hurting. It's the middle of camp. I feel great. I feel strong. I feel fast. I feel explosive. And I think it's just the way that we train now. So he's looking at Tom Brady thinking that he, too, can play until he's 44, maybe 45 years old. May do him well to win or get to a Super Bowl. At some point, normally when you're going to play for a long time, like Drew Brees or Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, you've done a lot of winning Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you have to have somebody that wants you around until you're 45. I'm sure that he has that desire to play in the NFL until he's 45. He better start winning and being a transcendent quarterback if he really wants to pull that off. Yeah, your body may be able to play until you're 45, but what about your skill set? Yeah. You know, that and, that also needs to evolve, too. Yeah, and another thing that needs to evolve is the desire of teams to have you. For sure. And <laughs> last year, he played better than people gave him credit yeah, for. Did. It's so interesting how we do this in sports. Sometimes there is a narrative that happens, and no matter what you do as a player, it doesn't really go away. And I feel like it happened with Derek Carr. There was always kind of a scuttlebutt that maybe Gruden and the Raiders were looking elsewhere for him. And it seems like not enough people are talking about the fact that he did play pretty well last year, and maybe he should be their guy. Maybe they should pour more into him. But it seems like everybody's looking for the next guy when it comes to the Raiders. Take it or leave it. There were there is a better chance of Aaron Rodgers playing at 80, 45 for the Raiders than Derek Carr playing at 45 for the Raiders. Well, I'm going to take it just because he's closer in age mm-hmm. and playing at a very high level and because he seems to have the desire to go elsewhere. And yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders were on that list. But I'm still thinking he ends up in New Orleans. That's Ve- my spot that yeah. I've circled. Vegas would be a good spot for he and his wife to be, however. You're killing me, Small. Why? Because of en- entertainment? Yeah. And it's close to L.A.? Close to L.A., yeah. Yeah, what's that flight, 30 minutes? Yeah, because... Hop, skip, and a jump? With the greatness of the two L.A. quarterbacks, he's just not going to be able to get a gig out there. Well, Justin Herbert looked pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Now, Matthew Stafford, TBD. What if Sean McVay can't get it done with Matthew Stafford? This is a guy that he went out and got because his claim was... I am not having success. We as a collective Rams are not having success because Jared Goff is holding us back. Now, he didn't say these words directly. I'm paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. That's just the thought process there. So if you go out and you get Matthew Stafford and you have all of these comments about him, how great he looks, how he expands what you can do from an offensive Mm -hmm. standpoint, and then you don't win. Well, you already had one guy that took you to the Super Bowl and you had the team give him $160 million because you are a genius. And then you traded him a year later. That's not a great look. 
And so I would say if he doesn't win with Matthew Stafford, or maybe even if he does, there might be some issues out there. Michelle, uh, the streets were talking in Canton, weren't they? Let me tell you, there were some loose lips in Canton. The streets were big time talking yeah. in Ohio. Yeah, and uh, the, the streets saying that... Uh, there might be a little dysfunction. They might be putting the fun in dysfunction in the Rams front office again. You mean they continue to put the fun in dysfunction? Yes. Because the Rams have put the fun in dysfunction for a long time. Well, They've been able to cover it up with a little bit of success, but we we all know what's been cooking behind the scenes. Just know that the organization has fired an offensive genius before. And just know that Tigers don't change their stripes. Yep. And that I wouldn't be surprised if we see the old Los Angeles Rams find a way to self-implode. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Wouldn't surprise me either. And within a couple of years, wouldn't surprise me to see Sean McVay coaching somewhere else. It's great when the streets talk. It is. (laughs) You're killing me, Small. Well, speaking of the streets talking, well, this isn't really the streets, it's Twitter. And the talk is coming from a legitimate source. But I, I wanted to project this to you, Randy, because we talk a lot about the Dolphins here. We're a Dolphins show. And Tua is our guy. He's our quarterback. Sorry, someone just talked in our ear as I was talking there. But Omar Kelly, who is the NFL columnist for the South Florida Sun Sentinel and obviously has a lot of eyes on Tua, had this tweet. He says, serious talk. I watched Justin Fields and all the Bears quarterbacks practice yesterday. And I thought, thank God that the Dolphins have Tua. Thank God, he says, that the Dolphins have Tua. He's not perfect. He's got issues. He's going to struggle. But I'd rather work with what he has than all of Chicago's quarterbacks. Accuracy and anticipation. So for a lot of people that were down on Tua... We saw all the unnamed sources talking badly about him and Mike Sando's piece in The Athletic, the quarterback tears, Mm -hmm. and all of the high praise we've heard about Justin Fields so far. It's nice to have someone be in Tua's side, you know? Thank you, Omar. Thank you, Omar. Because we know how good Tua is. He's... Do you have confidence in him? Uh, in Tua? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tua fast, Tua furious. Tua legit to quit? Yep. Yeah, that's our that's our quarterback. Yeah, we should probably bring that up to tell people what we're talking about. Let yeah. in behind the curtain. So uh, Adam Wainwright's our guy. He comes on our show every Wednesday, and not only do we get to talk to the great Adam Wainwright, but we support Big League Impact and all mm-hmm. of the great work that they're doing, not only in St. Louis but really worldwide. And one of the things that Adam Wainwright and Big League Impact are doing is they're having a fantasy football tournament. And Randy, Emily, and I, Team Carriker and Smallman, are having a team in the fantasy football draft, or in the league, I should say. And the draft is probably coming up soon, I would imagine. But in Canton, Randy and I were brainstorming fantasy football team names. I have never played fantasy football in my life. It's just, it seems like one more thing I had to worry Uh about. But for Adam and for Big League Impact, I'm excited about this. I am willing to jump into the fantasy football pond. So we thought, you know, we're a Dolphins show, maybe... We should have a team name that talks about the Dolphins or talks about Tua. We came up with Tua Fast, Tua Furious, or Tua Legit to Quit. So if you have any better names that involve Tua and or the Dolphins, 65780. And then we'll do a poll when we we get to four good ones. But it has to include the Dolphins or Tua, right? That's right. So we want some creativity here. And then when we get to four that we like, we'll put them up on on the Twitter and we'll do a poll. But the BLIS are far more creative than we are. So yeah, they are. Help They're us great. out. Yep. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. Coming up, we're going to talk some blues.
Blues hockey. What's going to happen with Vladdy? That's really the story of this August with the Blues. Luke Horak of NHL.com will join us to talk about what he's heard next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> We are a little over a month away from the start of training camp for your St. Louis Blues as they get ready for the 2021-2022 season. And Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line to talk about what's going to happen for the rest of this month in the first part of September with Lou Korak, our old friend from NHL.com. Louie, always good to talk to you. How are you doing? Good, Randy. Thanks for reminding me the camp's right around the corner. It's amazing, and the Blues still have <laughs> have some things to do. They obviously have to re-sign Robert Thomas, and they have about a million and a half dollars left in cap space, so they need to open up some cap space, and the logical thing, it would seem, from my perspective, would be to move Vladimir Tarasenko. Do you think we're any closer to moving Tarasenko, the Blues are, than a week ago, for example? Well, that's, that's a good question, Randy. I, I, I wish I had an answer for you, but I, I just don't at this point. It's it, it's tough to get a read on it. I mean, we know how Doug Armstrong operates, and uh, he's not gonna he's not gonna do anything in a, in a knee jerk reaction uh, moment. And uh, I think he's just continuing to wait to see if he can get anything close to what he'd like to get or what he feels like he deserves. He should get and. Uh, if he doesn't, he feels like he has a player that's got a contract for two more years, and uh, he needs to honor that. I mean, everybody on the outside really feels that this is over and done with, and, you know, there's there's no going back with this, but as far as he's concerned, you know, he's still a player of the St. Louis Blues, and if we should hit training camp and Vladimir Tarasenko is still a member of the Blues, he expects him to be there. So on we go, and on we wait with this, and uh you know, feeling like uh, I've always felt like there needs to be some sort of a resolution one way or the other to this. Uh, you really don't want this hanging over your head, especially from a player perspective, you know, where, where they really don't know what's going to happen. Uh, they need to focus on moving forward. Everybody needs to focus on moving forward in the next season. And I think that's best for both parties here. I'm with you, Lou. And in that same vein, how do you think the other members of the team would react if Vladimir Tarasenko were were to return to the Blues? Because business is business, and all of them understand that, that in sports, you're going to have to deal with the business side of this. And if Vladdy wanted out, he's probably doing what he thinks is best for him. But I, I can't imagine that the team would be pumped to have him back knowing that he didn't want to be there. I'm with you, Michelle. I kind of, I kind of feel the same way, but, you know, different circumstances happen with these situations and uh, we've seen players in the past ask for trade requests. And I know, for example, I know it's been brought up before, you know, it happened with Patrick Marlowe in San Jose, I believe it was 2016. And uh, it was the same situation as it turns out, you know, the sharks made the Stanley cup final that year and nothing ever came of that. So, you know, there was one of those unique circumstances where there was a resolution made and, you know, the players, forgave and forgot, but I don't know if that's going to happen in this situation. I really don't think it will. So that's why I feel like I think it's best for both parties just to uh, move on from this one. Uh, This is going to be a tough one. I mean, this is one where Tarasenko obviously has been around for a long time. He's been teammates with a lot of these guys for a long time, but you know, to me, the writing's on the wall, you know, I mean, you know, he has his reasons obviously, but uh, you know, when you make this stuff public and, like you said, you're basically saying, I don't want to be there anymore. 
that to me, if, if I'm a teammate, that, that to me spells that you don't want to be here with me. Okay. Then I don't want you here. So I think it would be a tough situation. It would be, it would probably be awkward more than anything. That's why I think that, you know, this needs to be resolved that way. Both sides can just focus on what they want to do and what they need to do. And what's best for the St. Louis blues is for a fresh start. And maybe, you know, who knows, you can use that cap space and uh, maybe bring somebody else in here. If you feel like you need something else, as far as defense or forward is concerned, and it's probably best for both sides just to get on with it and uh, move forward. Lou, you've got three Eastern Conference franchises. The Islanders have 11.9 million in cap space. Devils have 12.1. Hurricanes have 12.3. But I got to tell you, if I'm a general manager of one of those teams, I want to go to camp and see what what I have. I want to make sure that I need Tarasenko before I make a move for him. So, at the very least. I, I would think the logic would dictate, unless we get into a competitive situation and one of those teams has a shot at him and then another team wants to get in on it, I, I would think that those teams would want to wait until training camp starts before they would make a move. I would if I were them. Well, that's a good point, Randy, and uh, it, it definitely makes sense, especially a guy that uh, you know the medical history there, at least the recent medical history here with the shoulder, and uh, we keep bringing it up, but it's hard not to, especially with someone that carries a seven and a half million dollar cap hit. I mean, you have to be cautious. You have to be wary of the situation, regardless if the player tells you that he's a hundred percent healthy. I mean, you know, you need to see it first. I mean, it's the shoulders, a very important shoulders, a very important part of, of a hockey player here. I mean, you're going to take contact. You're going to absorb contact. You just never know in that situation what's going to happen. I think we saw with the Devils, with them uh, signing Thomas Tatar, uh, I don't want to say that that was uh, an indication of them completely moving on from the situation, but I got to feel that it's telltale. And uh, the Islanders are kind of the team to me that's out there lurking in the waters because there are components there that would be of interest to the St. Louis Blues. Uh, I believe they feel the same way, but... Lou Lamarillo, he he's sort of like Doug Armstrong here. He you know he operates at his own merit and his own will. And uh, you notice when it comes to the Islanders, you just don't hear a lot of their business out there publicly. Mm-hmm. So these are two teams that I would definitely keep an eye on. And and like you said, if this has to go into training camp, maybe that's something that the Islanders are looking at here. But I think if there's a fit, that might be the most logical fit to me as far as where you can move him and, and, and what you're able to get back. Lou, there's been some additions and subtractions on this Blues team. Additions like Pavel Buchnevich and Brandon Side, Subtractions like Vincent Stunn, Jaden Schwartz, Mike Hoffman. When you look on paper, and, and we know that you have to wait and see what a team looks like once they hit the ice and once they start to develop that identity and that chemistry, but on paper right now, do you think the Blues are better than they were last season? I think they are, and I I think they've gotten some players in here with more of their identity, more sandpaper-ish when you talk about guys like Butchnevich and what he's been able to do and how much he's grown into a role of that sort. We really know what Brandon Sott is, and we've seen it, you know, as a member of the Chicago Blackhawks. uh, He reminds he does really, and and I've gotten a chance to – I've told some people that I know that I've got, I've gotten a chance to watch his shift specifically in certain games just to kind of, and, and really you should know what kind of a player he is just because, you know, people have got to see him around here quite a bit, but I wanted to just focus in on him and, and the things that he does. And he really does in a sense, remind me a lot of Jaden Schwartz. He does a lot of the things that Jaden Schwartz does. And I think that's good for this team. 
just to kind of, if you're going to lose a guy like Jaden Schwartz, get somebody with that sort of a, sort of a feel and that sort of a look, but from, from, from a fresh perspective, a, a different player's perspective. So I think they've gotten a couple of Craig Berube players here that can definitely help in areas that they certainly needed help in. So really to answer your question, yes, I do think they have gotten better. Just how much better is going to be the big question here. I still think that maybe there are a couple of small holes here and there that maybe they'd like to fill before the season starts. But if you don't, I think they have the components that can maybe offset some of that stuff. They're not the glaring holes that you had going into uh, free agency, and I think they addressed those very well. Luke Horak, great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it, and I will see you out at Centene when camp starts. Thank you to both. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Take care. That's our friend Luke Korak, NHL.com. You can follow him on Twitter at LKorak10. Hey, don't forget that you can join the 101 Bomberito Street Fleet today from, or tomorrow rather, no, today, from 630 to 830 p.m. Today's Thursday. Today's it's Thursday. Michelle's Friday. Confirmed. But it's uh, today, Thursday, from 630 to 830 p.m. at Cybergs on Gravoy for the Michelob Ultra Putter Challenge. Free-to-play indoor golf game where you can score prizes and win Mick Ultra swag. It's very cool. Plus, here's the big part. Your chance to win a trip for two to this year's Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits in Wisconsin. Don't miss out tonight, 6.30 to 8.30 with 101 ESPN at Cybergs on Gravoy. Get all the details on the Michelob Ultra Putter Challenge at 101ESPN.com. Coming up, we're going to give away a pair of Cardinal tickets to next Tuesday's Bud Bash. And we need you to text in if you want to play in the game. So just text in the word movies, M-O-V-I-E-S, to 65780. And you might be one of our random players next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, we are going to give away a four-pack of tickets to next Tuesday's sold-out Budweiser Bash for the Cards and Brewers. The Budweiser Bash features an exclusive David Freeze bobblehead. Winner must be 21 and over tickets courtesy of Budweiser and 101 ESPN. And we've got a new and fun and exciting game, Michelle. New to us, fun and exciting game, but it's an old classic, Randy. It's six degrees of separation. It's the old Kevin Bacon game. game. Love it. The old Kevin Bacon game. So what we're going to do is we're going to get a listener on the line. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you two sports movies, and you're going to try to connect them. Okay. So coming up first, we have Tom. Tom is with us. Tom, hello. Well, hello. Hi, Tom. Tom, okay, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give Randy two sports movies. He's going to try and Kevin Bacon at Six Degrees of Separation. Do you think that he'll be able to get it right? Um, sure, why not? Or why don't I give you the movies first? Yeah, let's and then you the can, And then you can determine, Tom, whether it's a yes or a no. The first movie is The Mighty Ducks. The second movie is Space Jam. Can Randy connect the two? The Mighty Ducks. Space Jam? He probably can, but I can't. <laughs> okay, so Tom, is it a yes or a no? Yes. Okay. Oh, my. Randy, a lot of pressure here. There is a lot of pressure. This it's a, tough. This is tough. This is a tough game. Yeah, like, uh, was uh, Tom Berenger in Mighty Ducks? I don't even remember all the actors in Mighty Ducks. Can I give Can start. I give some hints here? Just give me a hint. I like hints. Okay, so think about a main character in Mighty Ducks, and that's where you're going to start on this journey. Main character. Oh, who 
got the team together. I don't think I've seen the whole movie all the way through. I'm, I, it was okay, so this, of, this I think is going to be a very tough game. Yeah. What if I just give Randy two athletes to put together? Because I don't know, if you go if you don't get Mighty Ducks. Let's do the second one. Okay, what about Miracle to Remember the Titans? Okay. Okay, so Miracle. You had uh, Kurt Russell, right? Mm-hmm. Bingo. And, uh, okay. Okay. And I need to, within six movies, get him to remember the Titans. Well, it doesn't even have to be six. You can somehow or get le- Or less. Yes, or less. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> this is hard. So uh, I'm mainly doing Kurt Russell here, because that's the main actor I remember from Miracle. Uh, and he did that uh, He did that Turner and Hooch movie, didn't he? He did, yeah. Okay. Uh, and who was he with in that one? He was with the dog. Hooch, yeah. Shout uh, out Hooch. Yeah. But uh, was he with... I, I don't even remember the... I don't remember any other Kurt Russell movies. This is bad. This is high pressure, Michelle. I love that the movie that you pulled for Kurt Russell was Turner and Hooch. <laughs> Kurt Russell, uh... What else has he done? I gotta be honest, I don't know many Kurt Russell movies either. Kurt Russell is not in Turner and Hooch. He's not? That was Tom Hanks. That's even worse. Didn't he do a movie with the dog? Go with old Tommy boy here. I'm sure you can find a path to him. Okay, so, but uh, he doesn't, he's not connected to Kurt Russell. But he's gotta be somehow. There's gotta be some movie that they were in together. You think? I don't know. This is hard for me. I wish I was more of a movie expert here. So I know you're doing doing in your car and saying, Randy, Kurt Russell and movie X to get to me to remember the Titans <laughs> with Denzel. Uh, and I am at a loss. I, I apologize for being at such a loss. Yeah, this is hard. What if I give you two athletes? Okay, we'll you give can, you a, thir- a third I, I try do, here. I'll try athletes, yeah. Okay, can't. I don't even know if there's a connection here, okay. but I bet you can find one. Can you connect Tom Seaver... And Albert Pujols. Okay. Uh, sure. Tom Seaver played for Tony Larusa. Albert Pujols played for Tony Larusa. Bingo. Tom wins the tickets. Because <laughs> he said yes. So yeah. we'll do that. Tom, congratulations. You yeah. win the tickets. And the David Freeze bobblehead <laughs> nights. We had the Bud Bash. All right. Well, that's great. Hey, congratulations on getting to 10,000. Thank you so much, Tom. I yeah, appreciate thanks, that. Thanks thank, for following, thank Michelle. Thank you for your support. Okay, so we actually have another pair of tickets to give Jeff. away. Yes. Jeff is with us. Jeff, I'm going to come up with two athletes off the top of my head. Do you think that Randy can connect the two? Uh, two athletes. If you With the two athletes, I'm going to go, yes. Randy, do me a solid. You can do it. You got it, Jeff. Okay, so I'm, how about this? We're going to do total roulette here. Six degrees of separation. I'm going to let Emily pick a random athlete, any okay. sport, and then I'm going to pick one, too, and Got you're going to have to connect them. Okay. All right, Emily, the pressure's on. Any any guy? J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith. Okay. And I am going to go Patrick Ewing. Okay. Uh, let's see. And you can't just say the Knicks. I can't. <laughs> no. Darn it. Okay. Uh, so J.R. Smith played with LeBron. Um, J.R. Smith played with. Uh, okay. He played for Steve Kerr. Or no, uh, he didn't. He played for Frank. No. He, he played for. Oh, here we go. Uh, so J.R. Smith played for Mike Brown. Who'd he throw soup at? 
Uh, and Mike Brown wasn't an assistant. Uh, J.R. Smith was he? When did uh, J.R. Smith play for the Rockets? He threw soup at. Can I tell? Yeah. He threw soup at Damon Jones. Okay. Yeah, I don't think I can get a connection there. Uh, my guy, Jr. Okay, so Jr. has played for the Knicks, the Cavs, the Lakers, um, and Patrick Ewing has coached with Orlando. Uh, he's the coach at Georgetown. He played for the Knicks and was an assistant with the Knicks. He played for Jeff Van Gundy. Uh, so, okay. I'm going to put this together here at some point. It's not really easy, though. Um, hmm. JR, there's got to be a LeBron tie here. Okay. Oh, someone just texted in a good yeah. one. JR Smith played with LeBron. Oh. LeBron played with Larry Hughes. Larry Hughes played with Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan played with who can I go to here uh Michael Jordan played against Patrick Ewing in the 1982 NCAA championship game hit the buzzer you got it hit your yeah. hit your horn there oh, I, I, okay I'll just do that that's oh, I don't have it plugged in anymore sorry oh bummer okay well congratulations yeah. to Jeff he got yeah. the tickets. Okay, there we go. Also from the 913, J.R. Smith to LeBron, LeBron to the Toon Squad, the Toon Squad to Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan to Patrick Ewing. There's it. We, we did it again. Well there done. Thank you. Hey, uh, great job by our producer engineer, Emily Butcher. Thank you. Thank you. Michelle, great job as always. Have a great day off and have a happy birthday. Thank you so much. I'll see you guys next week. And thank you for helping Michelle get to 10,000 Instagram followers. That is awesome. For all of us, thank for, thanks to you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. And until tomorrow morning at 7 with Danny Mack and I, have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast powered by I Promise. With the holidays quickly approaching, you know you've got a lot of people to gift. But there's no need to stress because Nike can help you find everything they'll want. Whether you're shopping for family and friends, kids and coworkers, or whoever, no matter how many workout warriors, rookie parents, or yoga legging lovers you need gifts for, Nike knows exactly what they'll want and they'll help you find it. Secure the greatest gifts for everyone on your list at your local Nike store. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.